Yo, what is up, guys? How is it going? Hope you're having a very, very good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you're coming from. And we're back for another stream, another episode of the Group Up Podcast. And I'm here for the great 2023 debate. It is a new year after all, and I got some new guests. Uh, but first, let me introduce the returning guest, my man Custa in the bottom left. Custa, how you doing? Oh, I think... Uh, the... Viewers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I'm just warning them. Just warning them, letting them know that they're coming for them. Yeah, sorry, it was <laughs> it was a little bit muted, but we're good now. We're good now. All right, in okay. the bottom right is my man Reinforce. First time on the podcast. Reinforce, what's up? Yo, I don't know what I'm doing here. I just got this invitation. I haven't been a guest on a podcast in so long because I host our Platchat podcast now that I'm like, shit, I need to have opinions and stuff. <laughs> I don't, I'm not prepared for this. I know, it's different when you're the host because I'm like, oh, I have to hold back so many times. I bet you're the same. I was like, oh, I want to say something, but I need to let my guests speak. Yeah, you got, you got to make Custa flourish. So, you know, that's a skill we share now. <laughs> get, get the stuff out of him. Indeed, indeed. But is this, this I like this Platchat X group up crossover episode that we got going but to round it off also for his first appearance in the top left is my man craggy craggy what's up hello hello yeah this is my first time being on a podcast ever i think <laughs> we popped so, the podcast uh, cherry i'm honored yeah yeah the, the rank one dps out here in our gracing our presence right now 5k sr himself although they fixed that they did True. fix the sr cap now so that is new and yeah, yeah let's let's get right into it then we're gonna talk about the whole coming picture of 2023 for overwatch pve uh what we expect for pvp any changes that we might want to see for overwatch to be a successful game going forwards but let's start right here right now i want to get our guests general opinions on how they're feeling about Overwatch 2 right now just so that we we have a touching base of uh what what their sentiments are so i'm going to take it to craggy first craggy uh, now that they've removed the 5k sr uh, are you are you happy how would you summarize your feelings on Overwatch 2 at the moment um well yeah in in season one i was a very competitive player and i wanted to get rank one um but i feel like now after i've played enormous amount of hours i've uh, kind of pulled back a little bit as like a casual player uh so right now i'm just trying to have fun because i feel like uh, tryharding and ranked over and over again for long periods of time just uh becomes tilting for me at least so yeah just pulling back now and, and trying to have fun with the game instead of playing it competitively interesting that's something i want to unpack but first we'll we'll head over to reinforce reinforce What's your general feelings, man? It's fine, you know. I I think Overwatch Two is good. All right. I so it's funny you wrote this topic list, and I just want to like throw myself into all the topics and just talk about everything <laughs> at once. But you know, just brief opinion. You know, I, I think it's fine. Uh, fine. Like I think I think the game is fun. It feels kind of like modern, new. Um, you know, I th I think there are some glaring issues with like, you know, ranked or whatever. But like. Overall, I think it's a fun game. I don't really try hard as much anymore either. Like, I feel like I kind of did my try harding where I played the game like 10 hours a day. So just like launching the game and playing it for some time, checking out the battle pass, like trying to get titles, trying to get, you know, new skins. Like, I, I think it's fun. So I, I think the game is fine, but, you know, there's some obvious stuff that needs improvement, I guess. Mm -hmm. And Custa, how do you, how do you feel? Is that like so? Are we talking about ranked as a whole or like the ranked? I just Overwatch right Two now? right now. How do you feel? If right. you were to summarize your feelings in Overwatch Two, 
Uh, I, I think it's okay. I, I like. I, I genuinely think it's okay. I think there's some glaring issues at the top end uh, right now for you know that you know Craig sort of hit on of like it's really burning a lot of people out. But I think overall, I think the game is fun. I think five v five is a better direction. You know, I saw it was an apply tweet you know two months ago where it was like I miss Overwatch one like Overwatch one like there is some great moments of Overwatch one, but that is like. It, small pockets and i think the same thing can be said for overwatch too you know there's been some good metas like especially at the very beginning with that like winston stuff like there, there's been some fun stuff but right now is definitely a downturn yeah i, I agree with that as well i i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna go a little bit off on one right now because uh i've been mulling over this myself like how do i feel about overwatch 2 right now because we we spoke on the last podcast episode with flats and samito and boger and you know most of them were like very optimistic or generally optimistic like yeah there's problems but still, you know, I'll give it an 8 out of 10 or a 7.5 out of 10 because, you know, the big picture is this is a lot better than Overwatch 1. And I kind of remember saying that I feel almost like a spoiled kid because, you know, I've been asking for Overwatch 2 and everything Overwatch 2 is for such a long time. I'm sure all of us have been as well, where we're like, let's go free to play. Let's get content. Come on, guys. Like, this is what we want. This is what will help save the game. And then we finally got it. And I'm like a kid at Christmas who, like, you know, who wrote his wish list to Santa. But then the toy came and I'm like, you know what, this toy ain't that, they ain't all that hot. This isn't the shit that I was hoping for, man. The toy's maybe a little bit broken. Let me try to think about why. And I, I think I've come to the conclusion that, like, I always assumed that the, the gameplay would come first with Overwatch 2, right? Like, especially when we, I think all of us got the taste of, like, the alpha, we got the betas. And the, I, it felt fun, right? Like, it felt, the betas and alphas felt good. They felt better than Overwatch 1. The gameplay felt really good. And I, I kind of assumed going forwards in Overwatch 2 that when we kick into the big monetization arm, that that would continue, that free-to-play would mean that all the money that we're going to get from skins and battle passes will will pummel into the gameplay and we'll get PvE, but on top of that, the PvP will thrive, we'll get new heroes. Hello, Custer's Cat. I, I agree with you as well. <laughs> Calm down, Very well spoken. Um, and I thought it would kind of come to this end, but now, the couple seasons we've had, and again, I must add the asterisks of it's early access, you know, we're just starting. But there's never going to be like this final product, right? There's never going to be like, okay, here it is. This is Overwatch 2 now because we're a live service game. We're always going to have more content. We're always going to have like another season, something that's broken, something that's not so broken, something that's fixed, whatever. And we're here now and it just feels like the gameplay hasn't been first. It feels like there's always something going wrong. Is The balance is always retroactive, right? It's always like, oh, you said Sojourn's broken? Okay, we'll try and fix her. Oh, uh, there's a bug now? Like we fixed the Hanzo bug, but now we added two more bugs so Kiriko doesn't cleanse anymore and uh, Junker Queen can axe everything for an infinite, you know, axe cooldown or whatever and, you know, there's like all these issues that keep cropping up <clears throat> and it's just starting to feel like my, my frustration is starting to grow a little bit and I'm, I'm starting to become a little bit increasingly disenchanted, I feel um, and I wonder if I want to take it to Craggy now because Craggy, you said you've kind of just decided I don't even want to, you know, try hard and sweat anymore what's, what's the kind of feeling behind that? Yeah, so um, so the reason for why that is because I still think that Overwatch fundamentally is fun to play. It's fun to run around, it's fun to shoot, it's fun to play different characters with the different abilities. Um, but the lack of change towards the competitive scene and, and these fast changes like the, the Hanzo bug, um, the, the poor balancing um, that, that doesn't get um, you say it approach quick enough. They don't nerf mm -hmm. him or, or buff characters fast enough. So it's just you play weeks on weeks on weeks. 
um, of of the same things and and the same problem pretty much. Um, again, it, it it affects me a lot since I play this game every day. Uh, probably wouldn't affect me as much if I played maybe five different games and and I had a nine to five on the side, so I could only play a few hours a day. Uh, so like maybe only like Sunday I'll be playing Overwatch, but but yeah, since I played every day, it it, uh, it becomes very tilting. Mm-hmm. Reinforce, so. you kind of also have this mindset, right? You're kind of also a bit just burned out. Uh, yeah, but I mean, a, a large part of that is also like, you know, the, the Overwatch League. It's like we, we work so hard during the Overwatch League. So, I mean, people kind of just got access to Overwatch 2 for quite some time. But essentially, you know, half the year of 2022, we just like we're so ingrained with Overwatch League and everything going on. Um, I, I, I was quite surprised, actually, because I thought Kragi would, like, go off on the Palace team because I've just seen the tweets where it's like, what, is it, you're, you're the one tweeting, right? That, like, the, the only thing scarier than, like, the skin price is just the Balance team or something like that. I'm just yeah. like, come on, can, can't you expand on that? Like, yeah, I mean, though, I think, I think the big issue right now is tanks. I think, I think tank players are not having fun because of tank. Uh, DPS players, in my opinion... Uh, don't have fun because tanks are are just a, a a big buffed up tank character, and I feel like I haven't played a lot of supports, but I feel like support is also very locked right now. Because if you lose your tank in a battle, then you most likely lose that fight. So supports are just heal butts pretty much for uh, for the tank. Um, so everything is just centered around the tank, and it's just I, I just feel like it becomes boring that like. All the focus is on this one role that only one person can play. That's also why open queue is is filled with tanks. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Of course, there's like some balance issues, like sojourn. Like you pretty much need a sojourn and with a mercy in order to to win high rank games. So it's just like the fact that like you have your hands tied behind your back majority of the games. Um, you have to play this one character or if your tank's getting diffed it's pretty much a gg it's really frustrating and that's also why i don't really play the game competitively anymore like want to try and go for rank one because i just it, it just it's very tilting Custa is a support player you know craggy mentioned about supports having to heal but i mean do you agree with the sentiment the tanks are the kind of fundamental problem i i think that's like i think what craggy said of that there's either a tank diff or a sojourn diff and those really determine the major outcomes so as a support player like you think about the three things that are like quite viable right now for a support it's you either go kiriko and just massively pocket your tank and just suzu your tank on cooldown so they don't die so they can win that diff or you play mercy so that you can enable your sojourn so that they can win that diff yeah there's a little bit of lucio in there where you can sort of like run around but at the end of the day you're still just like a speed bot so it feels like everything that you're doing is to enable someone else which you know we're called supports but that doesn't always feel good all the time when your job is to just rely on somebody else to be better um so and you know as craig said i don't go competitively i don't try and push rank too hard anymore as well because of the issue that you go into games where you just don't have impact or you don't have control and it's just really frustrating to play. So I think the the same thing can be said for all roles. Um, and I think it comes down to the fact that there are a couple of sussy characters in the game right now who are just more important than others. You know, like the Sojin, like the, you know, Orisa or the Roadhog when we were back there, right? Just like, it feels like there are too many people and there's an imbalance of impact on the game right now. 
So like too many singular heroes are, are sticking out in your mind, like the Sojourn, Mercy, Paul, okay, I guess it's a two, but you know, Sojourn and Mercy, uh, Mercy is like the asterisk attached, and then potentially like the tank is just dominating the fear, sphere too much. Reinforce, you're, you're a tank player, you agree with that? Is that how it's felt for you? I mean, yeah, I, I think the best Overwatch metas are still like when when damage are like the focal points. And we were lucky in the Overwatch League where we had like some medals where like the damage players were the one who stood out. And like we had some really amazing moments because of that. But like you can just tell it's a bad meta when like the tank players are just like too influential. And maybe it's because Overwatch is just designed like that, like a game where like, you know, it, like if, if you have like it's centered too much about like the kit of the hero itself, where like, oh, you know, if you're playing Winston, it's a dive character and, um, you have to play around that, but like, if you have like, uh, I don't really play a ton of League of Legends, but like, you, you wanna, all, I all, I said this tons like before the game even came out that like I just wanted tank to be like a supplemental kind of role that was like sort of a brawler, didn't do too much damage, just had like high amounts of health and like tried to set up your your damage players with like you know creating space and like stuff like that, but not being too oppressive, not being able to like solo players and not being able to like you know get like three Ks by itself, so. I, you know, even this, despite the fact that I'm a tank player, I'd love to find like a, a like a middle ground where like you can be a tank player and feel like you're doing something without taking over the game and being su suppressive to like the other roles. So, yeah. So a bit know. more, a bit more MMO esque. Is that what you're saying? Uh, MOBA esque. Yeah, I mean, in a bit more MOBA esque, like where you have your carries in like MOBAs and like you build around those and those become like the most influential characters. And I think. I, I think in general, like if you if you have a Widowmaker that's popping off, like they shouldn't just be like single-handedly shut down by like one character or you know something like that. So you know, Sojourn for a long time was actually quite good. I like that. I like that meta that it was focused around Sojourn. It just became like too much in the end, like too oppressive in the end. So there's a middle ground there somewhere. But uh, yeah, I do I do agree the tanks are a bit you know too much in the current state. That's interesting because, you, know, you know, I think the closest we came to experimenting with that was when we had creator patches. And I remember Lemon Kiwi kind of designed tanks in a more, I think she took inspiration from like MOBAs and MMOs. And she said, I'm going to try and just make them more utility, more HP and, and tone back the damage. But I would say uh, the large reception of the community was that they didn't like that. They didn't, they didn't like how that felt, that tanks felt, if I can't kill something as tank, then what's the point, right? So, Craggy, like... That was okay. an extreme level, though, because, like, some of those tanks were, like, straight-up unkillable. Like, that was the frustrating part of it. It's, like, the tanks, if you were fighting... And I think this is a, a core thing that I was talking about on my stream. With those tanks, it's, like, when you were playing the character, it didn't feel fun to play with or against, right? And I think that's the big issue with a couple of these heroes right now. Like, Roadhog, even if you like playing Roadhog, you like having a Roadhog on your team. He's just unfun to play against. The same thing with Sojin. Like, it's just unfun to play against because it feels like you have little counterplay. So I think that's the thing that they've struggled with. Overall, you know, going back to, you know, some positivity, I think they have done a good job with a couple of these heroes. Like, I like Orisa, Even though Orisa's hard meta, I don't feel bad playing against an Orisa. Like, her kit's kind of interesting. She has weaknesses and all that kind of stuff. Where the frustrations really lie is when it feels like I don't have that counterplay and it's just a hero that's not fun to play against. Same thing with like Junkrat, right? Um, you know, it was a Bobe in NA ranked right now is just a menace. Like he just like one shots you from across the map with like a grenade mine and you just like, it's just unfun to play against. And that's what I think Blizzard really needs to snuff out early because there's a couple of characters who have been doing that since the beginning of time. Like Roadhog's one of them. They've said a big change is coming for him. I hope they do a good job on that. But like, there's some other ones which is just like they need to find an answer to it. 
Mercy, I think, has been under the microscope a lot as well lately with the blue beam because it feels like no matter what you do to any other character, Mercy comes back with the damage boost that just sort of dominates the game. I mean, Craig, is that, is that how you felt as well? Like, what is your better picture? Like, and responding to the idea of like, well, what if tanks were just, you know, more absorbers of damage and there to like enable others, but they weren't such a singular threat themselves? Yeah, so so I, I've talked about this for a very long time, and I think I think tanks, like perfect example of tanks are characters like like Reinhardt, in my opinion, is like a perfect tank example. It doesn't feel oppressive to play against. It's not like you're gonna get one shot left and right, but like you still have that that carry potential as Reinhardt if you're really good with him. But whereas like Roadhog, all you pretty much have to do is just stay on point, do a little bit of flanking, and just like one shot left and right. So. So I think I think we definitely need a like off tanks if we if we look back at Overwatch one, off tanks are just way too strong right now in my opinion, uh, and we need to get back to like yeah the like the concept of tanks being tanky and not just buffed up DPS characters. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and and how do you respond to like that idea of like mercy as well like like because obviously someone who plays a lot of damage like. Mm -hmm. Do you feel do you feel like you have to go sojourn? Like do you feel like you you need a mercy pocket to fight another guy who has a mercy pocket? Like what what would your preferred state for DPS be? Yeah, so so I think uh I've always said that mercy damage boost is a problem. It's it's Blizzard can't balance the game around it properly. I mean, we saw it with with Ash for example where they have to like do minor tweaks to Ash when she was one-shotting everybody headshot. Um and it's just it it's hard to balance DPS characters around the Mercy Pocket. So, for example, Echo without a Mercy Pocket is like a pretty decent pick, but Echo with a Mercy Pocket can like pop off a lot, especially also depending on the map. And like, for example, if whenever I play on EU, we have a Pharaoh one trick on the EU servers, uh, Usna. And uh, <laughs> I know. And, yeah, and like with him with a Mercy Pocket, it's like really hard to kill him. But Pharaoh without a Mercy Pocket is, is bad. So it's also very hard for Blizzard to balance characters because they have to think about how Mercy's gonna gonna do with that character. So yeah, I feel like I've always said I feel I feel like they need to get rid of damage boost and compensate her compensate her with something else like maybe a cleanse or something. Uh, but but yeah, like constant. I I feel like damage boost should only be a uh, an ultimate. So for example, window or nano boost. Yeah. So like I, I, I feel like. I feel like Custo was like right in like what he said about like Roadhog and Junkrat. There are just like a few heroes in the game that like have like an extreme impact on the game and like how it's being played. So, you know, Mercy is a good example because like what Kragi said, like Mercy has such like a extreme impact on like how good Farah is or like how good Echo is. Whereas like yeah, I, th I think you should strive towards having heroes that are just like nicely, you know, balanced that like don't do too much but they're oh in one shots all the time but you, like you, you died for a sec because go go back again go with that sentence again. i died for a sec oh god mm -hmm. but yeah i just like i i think you can just like relax like the balance and like the impact some heroes have like you don't need these extreme like one-shot heroes that just like are unfun to play against because like what Custer said they're so extreme um and like what Kragi said with mercy that like it has like an extreme impact on like how the game is being played, whether it's like buffing Echo to like being really good or like buffing um, Sojourn to be really good. Um, 
just like the game is fun to play like five versus five is a fun setting the hero kits are good like custom mentioned with like orisa the kit is good like it feels fun to play and it doesn't feel bad to play against so i think you just need to set up like a battleground where you can you actually have time to utilize these kits and like play your hero without feeling that you're just getting rolled or like something's overpowered within the game like ultimately you play overwatch to like play your hero and feel like you're doing something like using your abilities and if you don't have time to use your abilities if you don't have impact using your abilities like you're just not going to have a fun time so i think you should really leverage the fact that five versus five is good that the hero kits are good there's a fun game to play but you need to like get rid of these like overpowered one shots or like overpowered duos where that's like mercy soldier and mercy echo stuff like that because that just like ruins the experience you have playing your character and like having fun playing the game Okay, well, there's a few different strands there. I want to I kind of pick out each of them. So we got the damage boosting. We'll get to that in a sec. Now one-shots is another bit, another sort of hotly debated idea in Overwatch. Well, you guys have kind of said, well, okay, fuck Junkrat. I don't want that, don't want that one-shot. We've kind of said Sojourn is too strong, but, you know, Reinforce, you said, you know, I'm, I'm okay with Sojourn. I, I had fun in that meta. What, what's the, where's the line? You know, Junkrat is bad, but Sojourn is good. Widow's good. Hanzo's good. Like, where's the line? Like, why, why is that any well, better than Sojourn the other? Well, Sojourn was definitely oppressive. You know, I, you know, what I liked about Sojourn was that I think it's a, you know, Sojourn is one of my favorite characters in Overwatch because I just love the kit. Uh, but I'm not going to sit here and argue that like railguns, like railgun one shots are good. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to sit there and, and say that shit. But I think the kit is really fun. And, and if you could like tone that back a little bit, like, so yeah, I, I didn't mean to sit here and say that like I think one shot meta was good for the game. But I mm. think Sojourn as a, like the kit of Sojourn, I think is a fun hero kit in the game i think it's a fun character to play i love watching like sojourn streamers um but when it's too extreme when it's you know one shots all over the place then it ruins the game so that's I, what i meant with I, sojourn is fun yeah I, I think for me with the one shot argument it comes down to what is the cost of you playing a one shot character right so widowmaker can get a lot of one shots but she doesn't really do much outside of that she doesn't get high damage output she, even if she's popping off she'll generally be the second person on damage uh under the other dps right so, and the cost is that she's very um isolated and she can get isolated and she can die quite easily so yes there is that you know success there if you are popping off but there is a cost there that is my frustration with i think roadhog is that he has it on what a six to eight second cooldown, and it's almost impossible to punish him. And he can just throw them out. He can miss, you know, seventy five percent of his hooks. But if he hits those important twenty five percent on a backliner, it doesn't matter, right? So that is my frustration. And then, like, you go into like, where does the line go? Like Hanzo, I go back and forth on being pissed off at Hanzo because, like, you play <laughs> a game and the Hanzo just doesn't miss, and then you play a game where the enemy Hanzo just can't hit someone to save their lives. So it's like. There is that inherent cost with Hanzo that it is kind of an RNG character to some degree. So I, I think there is a line, but it all comes down to that cost balance thing. And the reason I don't like Junkrat is he can one-shot you while also just like spamming corridors, doing a ton of damage, doing all that kind of stuff. But I also just hate Junkrat because I think his tire is like the worst ultimate in the game. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Craggy, how do you respond to that as well? Because again, someone might say, well, okay, you say uh widowmakers yeah she that one shot but that's all she could do but the counter argument is well yeah but she sits across the map from me and i can't I, there is no counterplay like especially i think certain maps in overwatch 2 
facilitate that like well I, I again i think of like coliseo first point when you when the bot is there and there's a widow maker across that entire corridor like wh what do you do right she's just there you can't peek now because you're gonna blow your head off so like how do you respond to that argument like is Widowmaker a fair example of like a one shot that's fine or or, or not yeah I, I i agree with costa about it i think i think there should be characters that has one shot abilities um but i like i uh, like he said, I don't think it should be on a 700 HP tank character that can that can pretty much survive everything right in front of you and 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 have easy one shots. Um, but yeah, Widow Widow is is interesting right now. Um, I think I think the game I think meta should be map dependent. Um, I don't think we should have a strict meta for every single map. So I think Widow is a is a good example right now uh, that. You can play with on some maps, and she's very strong on some maps. Uh, but there are also a lot of other maps where you can't really play with and get value with her because there's way too much line of sight and like uh, buildings to stand behind. So it's like that situationalness that for you makes it feel a bit more balanced, where perhaps a Roadhog is just kind of AFK wherever you just run it on yeah. Roadhog, you vape your life away, and then you know hook every you know ten ten hooks, and one of them connects, and you're good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's kind of I see. I feel like you guys are kind of in agreement that the one shots are fine as long as there is a cost benefit and also that there's a situationalness to them, so that it's not like you can just one shot all the time everywhere. It doesn't matter. Your character survives it all, and there's no downside to it. Okay. I mean, if I'm playing Roadhog, I know that I'm annoying. Like I know that I'm obnoxious, <laughs> and I know that like people can't really do anything about me, and I'm just like, this is ridiculous. Like this is just stupid. Like I'll just play around the corner. Try to hit my hook cooldown, and then I'll just go vape if they try to dive me. And chances are they'll commit so many resources and pursue me so much that it'll be like a negative for them to chase me in the first place. So it just—it's just a dumb character. Like it's just dumb. That's how you know you're not an authentic roadhog main because the actual roadhog mains are like, "What do you mean he's an unfun character? <laughs> just get good." The roadhog yeah. mains are not real people, man. They're not. <laughs> yeah, roadhog roadhog mains complains about NNs and now apparently. Yeah, true, yeah damn, those characters are overpowered, you know. Yeah. The one that is a floating death machine in Zenyatta. <laughs> I can already see the comments now. Someone's going to be like, SEB, you really need to get, you know, one of these Roadhog streamers on here because this Roadhog, anti Roadhog propaganda is such bullshit. Like, you can't keep having this, like, unfiltered anti Roadhog sentiment. Okay, get get the real people on. Okay, so 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 that's, like, the one-shot issue. But now the damage boost issue. Let's, let's get to this now because you guys are all, again, I think roughly... And speak if uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Kind of feel like mercy is a problem. The damage boost is a potential problem. Maybe damage boost should only be for ultimates. But the counter argument the devs would make and mercy players would make is well, how many times are you gonna keep changing one of the most popular heroes in the game and and keep removing her identity? Like we kind of shifted res around damage. Like the yellow beam, blue beam is like the quintessential mercy thing, right? So like how how can you keep changing this? Okay, so for me, I think. We need to go back to Zenyatta of like, it's it's the cost, right? Like if you want to play a Zenyatta with the Discord that improve, improves everyone's damage, the cost is that you have to play Zenyatta, like just who's so susceptible to death, all that kind of stuff. You can put out damage, but you need to stay alive. For me, you know, I did it yesterday, actually. I was like, okay, I'm pissed off at Mercy. Let's play Mercy and see if it is, in my opinion, as easy as it seems. Got a game with Hydron on Route 66. Pocketed him won the game for free. And like, I'm not even doing, like I haven't played Mercy in like three years. Like I'm not even doing anything crazy, but the GA is too long, uh, too easy to use. 
you don't have to do anything. You can just stand behind walls. You can res behind walls. You can just enable this one person to be able to pop off to that next level. And that goes back into what I was saying of like, uh, one person is the focal point of your team, right? So with damage boost, it comes back to the, it doesn't cost Mercy anything to damage boost someone permanently. And then if they take 50 damage, then you can heal them up, right? So Mercy doesn't really have any risk. In the past, when you played Mercy, her biggest risk was that she can die, right? If you're playing a Mercy against the Winston with the old movement, it was, you know, if the Winston was good, he could follow you pretty well. But right now with Mercy and the damage boost, I think the issue is that she is so survivable. If you have a good Mercy with good movement, she's almost impossible to kill under like the current circumstances, unless you one-shot her with like a Sojourn or a Roadhog, right? Because she can just constantly move. So... I understand that they might want to keep Bluebeam. I think it's a problem. I think it should be changed. I think you can even put it on like a defense matrix cooldown so it can't just be permanently Bluebeamed. It's like something that you got to channel in and then you got to choose your moments. But right now, I think Mercy does too much for too little cost right now. How, how does Mercy like not have like a resource of some kind? Yeah. Like how can you just hold down a button and... That, that's you don't even like, need to hold it down. You can press it once and then just stand behind the wall and like stand I, really far away. Like, like that's the yeah. frustration. There, there needs to be some kind of like management of your tools and like how you use them, when to use them. I, I don't know if like you, you build up the damage boost, so you get like five seconds of damage boost if you heal enough people or some, something like that. Like the fact that you can just like stand and heal and damage boost and then fly away. Like, what are we doing here? Like, there's just. I, I, I get the argument that, like, Mercy is a fan favorite, and yeah, you don't want to change her too much, and, like, you want to retain that player base, because, like, they're, you know, a big part of Overwatch, but, like, there, there, there needs to be... I, I realize that Mercy is one of those heroes as well that is, like, supposed to be easier to play than other support heroes, you know, like Moira, for example, but, like, there needs to be some kind of, like, cost to damage boost someone, or some kind of, like weakness in the heel or like something there needs to be something there and there isn't something and so you're just playing like a really passive strong character that doesn't really require a lot of mechanical work doesn't require a lot of thinking to be honest and you just have a lot of impact there needs to be some kind of like cost there to the effectiveness of the hero i i actually really like that idea that you had johnny of like if you heal someone then you get the damage boost because what that would do is that would mean that the person has to be moving around right like the the issue right now is that you never have to leave your sojourn especially with a mercy kiriko your kiriko just protects the tank and the mercy just sits there damage boosting the sojourn if you make her have to do something else other than just pocket that one person i think it would alleviate a lot of the frustrations oh, or even like the skill to like try to predict, like, when do I have to time and use my damage boost? Like, five-second timer, six-second timer? Because that, that can legitimately be hard, and that is something the opponents can, like, play around. So, like, you have to communicate with your sojourn, where it's like, hey, I got, I got my damage boost, like, do you want it now? And then you unleash, like, the six-second damage boost or whatever. Like, that's a skill in and of itself, whereas, like, you don't passively just hold down Bluebeam. Well, so, the, the, the two, the implementing two small skills like that. The two counter-arguments, Javi, one, uh, I'm just trying, to, uh, again, I, I apologize if I'm not correctly speaking on behalf of Mercy mains, I'm trying my best, but the counter-arguments would be, A, well, the blue beam is is the best reason to pick her, right? So why would you force someone to yellow beam arbitrarily to earn the blue beam when it's like, well, now you're encouraging like a potential heal body kind of style. Also, you're asking them to put a lot more risk now, because if, if to heal, especially on certain maps, to split your Junker Town A, 
to heal multiple people across that map, you're 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 gonna have to GA across multiple sight lines in a way that another support wouldn't have to, right? Like you can occupy a safe position on another support. So you're now asking them to take an additional risk. What for? Why, why, so why, that's, why make mercy. that's the cost don't of the hero, right? On point there, don't get yeah, that, I think that's that's <laughs> the point we're trying to. That's the that's the thing I'm trying to. Like every character has those negatives, right? Mercy doesn't have that negative right now because she can always just be sitting back there, right? Like then you maybe you'd want to play Anna on second point because then you can heal from a distance while playing back, right? But I think that's the issue with Mercy is that she just can do that at all times at any moment, and so. It doesn't feel like she's ever having to go out of her comfort of, oh, the weakness of mercy is that you can't go forward to heal without dying. Well, and then the other the other counter argument would be, well, you say all this, but then mercy is also such a team-dependent hero, which is frustrating for the player, right? So you're talking all this impact of mercy, but that impact is always proportional to the impact someone else on your team is providing. So for, for a mercy player who's already like, well... You're talking about like nerfing my character. Well, my character already like struggles in a lot of scenarios. Craggy, like, how do you feel about this as, as a frequent recipient of the blue beam? <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, so I might have a little bit of a different opinion on on this type of stuff, but I feel like I feel like um, we should really take into account high skill, high reward, and low skill, low reward. So I feel like someone like Mercy should probably be meta and 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 be and should be playable uh, in low rank, but should not be playable in high rank. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I that, that's just my opinion. I feel like, and I actually really liked um, one of the reasons for why I really like Sojourn is because she requires a lot of skills. She is overpowered, of course, but in order for me to beat the enemy Sojourn, if it's a good Sojourn. Like, I, I really need to buckle up and I need to be good at the game. Um, like, for example, whenever I play against Kefsta on EU ladder, like, I know I really have to sweat and try hard in order to just, just do the same that he does. Whereas if I were to play Orisa against, like, another really good tank player, I mean, I just I just have to recycle my cooldowns right in front of him and that's pretty much it. So I feel like, I feel like, uh, yeah, like, yeah, you should change characters based off of how much skill they require. And I don't feel like uh, low-skilled characters should be a consistent viable picking high rank. I mean, we... we sorry, Costa, do you have something to say? Or, sorry, did anyone want to say something? You go, I'll chime in after. I, I just feel like we, we have evidence in the past, like, especially coming off, what was it, like, the, the, the first stage of Awards League in, in 2018 where Mercy was really strong. Like, that was hard evidence that after Mercy got nerfed, that there were so many freaking Mercy players like high on ranked that had like extremely high SR. And when they they were forced to switch, they had no idea. Like they couldn't they couldn't like adjust and play Ana. They couldn't play Sen. And so I think therein lies your evidence that you can you can reach a, a, a really high high SR playing Mercy that doesn't really represent like how good you are in your role as a player. Now, maybe that's unfair of me. Like maybe that's like really unfair because like you can play you can be like a good Junkrat player and like get high as Junkrat, but that doesn't mean that you have a great tracer, doesn't mean you have a great sojourn. You can become, I don't know, whatever tank doesn't mean you're great at diving, stuff like that. So maybe that's an unfair characterization. But I, I feel like we've sort of seen this in the past where like when Mercy gets really strong because of how because she is one of the easier heroes to play, like 
you you can get sort of thought like an inflated SR level, and I feel like that that sort of like reflects her kit and how easy it is to use and how how like you can get away with that. And she's meta. Well, couldn't it be said that you guys are basically having a very narrow POV of what skill is, which is that like, oh, it must be like absolutely shooting skill. Shooting skill I'm right? I, no, I don't agree with that. No, yeah. I. I I, I no I like what, what do you mean SVB? I want you to well, elaborate. Well, so right so now. well so, Craggy said and 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 Lord pray for him for the comments that's coming for you now, Craggy. You said Mercy's a low skill hero. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think even Mercy Mercy uh, specialist to be fair would say, look, she's an accessible hero, but to say it's low skill is to do a disservice to the decision making that takes place, the intricacies of the movement, like how and where. It's not just about. I super jumped. So it's also like the timing, where you're going, the backwards, the forwards, the three-dimensional. We've all faced a Mercy that's really hard to kill, right? Because they just look like they're moving in eight dimensions now. Like It's just like, you thought they were going there, then they broke your ankle. So they would say, well, there's a lot of nuance to it. It's just not FPS-like shooting skill that, you, that you're calling that the only skill. But there is a skill to it. It's like the, it's just more of a cerebral skill. So Custer, go ahead. Now, you, you kind of had to take a grievance but- with that. That's like being a tracer player and be like, I have such good movement at tracer, you would never believe it. But I don't have to shoot though. That's fortunate. But like you do have to shoot as tracer, right? Like every other character has that movement requirement. Yes, Mercy is on the upper echelon of like you need to have some of the better movements. But there, as Overwatch, there is more elements than just the movement and positioning and stuff like that. That is a massive skill. We all know great Mercy players, especially with this most recent movement. I don't know how some Mercy players move the way they do these days. It's absolutely phenomenal. But I'm not talking about that as a whole. We're not talking about the top 001% of Mercy players, right? They are obviously very skilled there at the high end. I'm talking, we're talking about the issue that lower skilled Mercy players are getting disproportional value for doing very little right now, especially. The baseline is too high. Yeah, the baseline is too high, especially when you are like in a meta like this, you don't need that high skill movement. You're not getting dove by a wizard. You're not getting run down by a tracer. You're just damage boosting your surgeon while the other surgeon. The only thing you need to do is stay out of line of sight of the other surgeon. And that's the frustrating point for a lot of the these things. I think we're talking about the like the the high end of mercy players and how that's frustrating for us, but I think is the blue beam, like if we nerfed the blue beam, is that really going to affect the Mercy players in gold that much? Are they getting ridiculous value out of the blue beam down in gold, down in silver, right? And that's where, you know, a lot of the vocal people are of like they want to keep Mercy the same. I think you could change it in a way that would balance it for the upper end without really affecting the middle to lower end that much as to what they're expecting. You don't have to gut the kit. I'm not asking to gut Mercy's kit. I think. She is a staple of Overwatch. I think there are ways to make her kit interesting and balanced, but they just need to keep moving that depending on where they are in the meta. And I think it's fine to have Mercy meta for every now and then. I just, I think a lot of us see the writing on the wall right now of if we don't do anything to Mercy, we're going to see her, I would say 70 to 80% of the time for the next, you know, until they decide to nerf her again, as long as hit scan and no shields exist in the game. Oh. So I also, uh, I'd like to comment on the, like, um, the skill part. I think mm-hmm. a lot of things goes into what makes a character hard to play. Um, and I think, uh, I always say that Tracer and Genji are probably some of the hardest characters to play because you need a lot of aim. You need good decision-making when you go in. You need good movement because you're pretty much in the enemy backline, like in the middle of the fight all the time. Um, 
Whereas as Mercy, um, aim is like the most, like the biggest thing you know, the movement is the biggest thing you need. I mean, I think, I think we all know that the size of Mercy's bullet, you don't really have to aim, aim at people in order to hit them. So she doesn't really require much aim, um, either, even to do damage. So, so yeah, that's like, that's, so for example, Lucio is also a very, very movement dependent character, but you also need to have good understanding of, of, of the game and like, because you, you most of the time, well, not most of the time, but you will be in the enemy backline as Lucio. You will be going for those risky boops where you almost have to be their backline, right? So, so there are support characters that also requires a ton of, of, uh, of movement, just like Mercy, but, but even more skill on top of that, but just isn't being rewarded for it at high rank where the best players are. Right, so you're saying that like other supports are requiring the same amount of input on the tactical side and the movement side, mm -hmm. but they also require the aim side and they should be rewarded for also having that extra skill that isn't being employed on Mercy. Mm -hmm. Is that fair? Okay. Okay, well, I don't want to turn it into a great Mercy podcast, especially with, without a Mercy representative fight her <laughs> corner. Um, so I want to move on. That was fun. Get it off my chest. That yeah, was nice. no, good, that was good, good to vent sometimes. Good to vent. <laughs> um, so I want to move it on to an interesting tweet, tweet that I read of Craggy's earlier today, which he said, I, I'm starting to miss Jeff Goodman. <laughs> this, was, yep. this was Craggy's tweet. And you mentioned earlier as well, just sort of not enjoying the balance. So I kind of want to take a bigger picture because obviously it's gonna, this is going to be an issue from now until forever. Right? We're going to have to balance this game. Particularly, I think season three, we don't have a new hero, which means that unless the balance changes things, nothing will change, right? It will stay the same unless there's some potentially smart balance changes. I mean, I would I would mention the, the recent balance patch just came in, but it's like, I would say calling it a balance patch is perhaps an, an overstatement. Calling it a footnote, I would say, is more of a an accurate of the four little minor changes that we've seen of to a little bit to Zarya, Moira, Brig, um, and Junker Queen Junker. buffs. Junker Queen buffs probably the most significant. Um, so what is the core problem for you, Craggy? And then I'll get reinforcing custody to respond as well. What is the core problem with you when you say you miss Jeff Goodman, the balancing is wrong? Like, what, is the, what is the theme here? Hello, guys. SCB here. Just want to quickly interrupt this episode of the Group Up Podcast to say that if you've been enjoying this content, then please do consider supporting me directly via Patreon. It really does help since Patreon only takes about 10% of your money, where YouTube and Twitch take 40 and 50% respectively. So it supports me and allows me to keep making videos no matter how many views they do or don't get. Also, if you are really enjoying this discussion, then why not consider watching some of my other content? First and foremost, my Twitch stream where this podcast is hosted live, and I stream five days a week doing a bunch of other things as well. If you're not much of a Twitch viewer, then you can check out the SVB side channel, where all the best bits from the stream go straight to YouTube in highlight format, including VOD reviews, gameplay, and streamer formats, such as the Fantasy Overwatch or Rank Gauntlet that you may have seen other streamers participate in. And finally, if you're sick of Overwatch, then you could check out my other channel, The Soak, which is where I do movie and TV breakdowns. And I've done videos on things like Avatar The Last Airbender, Pixar's Up, and anime like Haikyuu. So if any of that sounds up your street, then all the links are in the description. But now, back to the discussion. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so the balancing right now, since it's a new game, well, um, and they buffed a ton of tank characters without really knowing what the repercussions was going to be. Um, there's way too many, and, and also with the release of Kiriko and, and Sojourn and Jungle Queen and Ramatra, there's way too many oppressive things in Overwatch right now, and they are addressing them way too slowly. So, 
I don't like the fact that there are scheduled balance patches. I feel like they need to balance the game when needed as soon as possible instead of having to wait a month to address something because that's what they have uh, in their notes that they're not going to do anything for a month. So uh, especially now since it's so early, there's bound to be um, bad balancing, especially with the big changes and the new characters coming out. They, they just need to pull the trigger way quicker instead of following a schedule. I, so it's, it's, I don't think it's as much about them. I, I think I don't mind the schedule as long as it's like they always do hit it in the mid-season at the start of a new season. I think they just need to be way more aggressive with it. You know, like I think they need to be like, Roadhog's a problem right now. No one's having a lot of fun. Let's just reduce his health a little bit and see, you know, because of the cost benefit. I don't know how we've gone this far and Kiriko has not been touched. Like the only thing that changed was her the duration of her invulnerability on the Suzu, which isn't the issue, right? The issue isn't how long the immortality lasts. It's the fact that it cleanses and makes them immortal for a short amount of time. So I, I just think want to that quickly, quickly interject to say they did they did nerf Kitsune Rush as well. Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that, that is true. But like that's not her issue, right? The issue is right. the the invulnerability uh, that also cleanses, so it like negates all the issues, uh, like the counters to a lot of what's happening, and then her. Direct healing onto one character is just too much right now. Like, you can easily just tone that down and then just see where it lands, right? Like, you could reduce her healing and just see where that lands. And that would open up the gates for other heroes. The other thing that I have an issue with is they're buffing characters willy-nilly, trying to get them to catch up to these other characters. And that's dangerous because as soon as those characters come down, all of a sudden, is Zaya's energy like having a much lower degeneration rate? Is that going to hurt us in the future where we just like someone's going to play Zion and be like, I have full energy like all the time now. And we're not even going to realize that nerf, that like buff has been so impactful until later in the game. Oh, I guess this is what the term we might use for it is, is power creep, right? Is yeah, exactly. The, the, yeah. Dreaded, the dreaded term where it's like you make a small change to someone in the hopes of making them competitive with someone else. It doesn't work. But then later when another change actually comes in that character is now way stronger than what they were supposed to be you didn't you didn't even realize it they crept up on you and now they're they're op in their meta again i think i think yeah, i, 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 I want to go ahead go ahead reinforce i just wanted to comment on the thing craggy said about the scheduled uh patch notes so my fiance actually works for a game company uh themselves that like update the game etc and like the, the scheduled patches i think that's just like a result of the fact that they're a massive company and like it takes time to do these things whether that's like organizing meetings where you go like, hey, we have this patch notes thing. Now our engineers, they need to change the code. We need to have, you know, someone needs to write the patch notes. Uh, we need to bug test, which, you know, is ironic because there's some bugs in this hotfix where like, the, you know, I, it just it just baffles my mind that like there's some, there, the carnage bugs and stuff like that. But it's a complicated matter. But I think that like, you know, it, it, it at the end of the day, Blizzard is a massive company and like you need so many people to work on a patch that like you need to give them room to like figure out the code to figure out how are we balancing testing like you know maybe some numbers and like making sure that it at least works like that's a commitment like that takes a lot of resources it takes a lot of time so i don't think it's you know i don't i don't think it's something you can like expect for them to just like oh here's a two-day turnaround where it's like a hotfix patch to change the balance because Sojourn was like really overpowered for a week. I think the fact that, that that it is scheduled, I think that's just way more like reasonable for the employees who work on it and like try to change it. I think what's more 
addressable in that case is what Costa touched on. It's like sometimes the patch notes like doesn't really add up. Like maybe they're seeing something. And I actually like give a lot of credit to the balance team because I know that they have some people working with the data and like they're, you know, looking at win rates, they're looking at all kinds of ranks and they're trying to make the game as a whole really good, not just for like top 500. Um, but I think there are some like unaddressable things, um, what is like, you know, a custom mentioned Kiriko and um, buffing some characters that might not need buffs. I think that's like the more relevant issues that like I really, and you know, it's it's a really shame. It's a real shame that like Roadhog was bugged or whatever for the hotfix and like they couldn't fix Roadhog because people have been yelling about that for like so long now. So that really sucks. So hopefully like when they figure out those issues, we can get to a, we can get to a point where the actual scheduled updates, they're relevant, they're good, and they address the characters that need addressing. Um, but right now, yeah, I feel like they're a bit all over the place in that regard, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I agree with that. Like, as long as the, the patch notes are impactful, um, that's, that's all that really matters. Like, as long as they, they have an impact. Like, like you said, SVB, the patch notes that we had yesterday, you don't even want to address them because can't even call them patch notes almost. Like, that's just... Like having to wait a month for that to then play another month with those patch notes that doesn't really have an impact, that, that, that's an issue in my opinion. Correct me if I'm yeah. wrong, but didn't... Um, they didn't... They haven't commented on like the changes, right? In the last couple of patch notes. You mean they the did it for like the season. Notes. Sorry? You mean like the developer notes that come with it? Yeah, because before in the patch notes, and they did one in November, um, I guess that was like the season two thing or whatever, and they actually like write down like why they uh, did some changes. And like, that's really helpful. But in the last couple of updates, I haven't seen that. So I don't know if they did a video or a tweet or something, but like, I don't that's think just we saw really anything. helpful. No, I don't think. The only communication really we had was from context, Aaron yeah. about Roadhog. Yeah, yeah, which Aaron said that for again for those who missed it, Aaron said we wanted to make a Roadhog change, but that's already always been for mid to late January and some of the changes in this patch were were pre-pwned into the earlier patch that they did, and that's why this one is so light. Uh, I want to I want to add to one other point to the schedule, the benefit of having scheduled patches that is accountability, because I think one danger of not having like a strict schedule of like we're gonna patch at this and this time. Is what we ended up with a watch one where we're just sat there wondering, waiting, when's the next patch? Whereas if you know, okay, it's going to be once every four weeks, then as we have done, we've been like, hey, you missed the date. Where's the patch? Where's the patch? Where's the patch? So you're able to go to the devs and say, you said you would patch then, you didn't patch. Now we have like, it's a fair relationship, I think. They say we'll patch now. They don't, we can yell at them. If they do it, then we can say, okay, they were on time. And then we can yell at the contents of the patch rather than the timing of the patch. I think for me personally, what because uh, I said at the start of the podcast, I'm a little bit losing my faith a little bit. Uh, I think part of that comes from what I would perceive to be uh, retroactive and like responsive balancing as opposed to like proactive balancing. So again, I, th I think like if we look at some, especially some of the heroes, the way they've come out, Kiriko, Sojourn, Junker Queen, all kind of gone hard meta to start with. It feels like they, they implement stuff and then it turns out to be way stronger or way, you know, way different than what they imagine it to be. And then we're, we're kind of chasing after that shadow, which is inevitable to happen sometimes. you got to give them that much slack. No no developer in the world could perfectly predict. But I think I think to like maybe how a card game would balance, right? Like a, like a, a Hearthstone or a Magic or something. Hearthstone is probably a better example because Hearthstone can, can instantly change the numbers, right? Because they're a digital card game. So they, what they'll do is they'll, they'll, re they'll release like, I play Battlegrounds. So they'll release like a new set of minions 
knowing full well they're hella broken, right? They're like, okay, well, it's a new minion. Let's make this, like, this will be the hard meta for, like, two weeks because it's, like, fun. Everyone wants to play the new stuff, make it broken. But they have internally what they would call the real patch, right? Like, they know, okay, we know it's broken. And then after two weeks, when everyone has gotten used to it, we're going to put in the real patch so that the, the, the game is now more sane and balanced. And usually, at least in my experience, it's been, it's been good. It's, it's worked out. Whereas my, my sort of worry is that with the devs, like, they've released a couple heroes and then it turns out that that, like, they just didn't, they didn't really conceive how it would pan out. I think Kiriko, again, it's like, oh, here's a, here's the support for the DPS mains out there. Go, go, DPS and Kunai. Oh, actually, her healing number is crazy. Her Kizune Rush is crazy. The Suzu is crazy. That's what everyone's running her for, right? Or, like, Sojourn, again, where it's like, we, you know, the, the recent Sojourn nerfs, so it's like, we've nerfed her to, to, to counter this without necessarily... Uh, anticipating for the mercy buff, or again, Roadhog's spike in power with when considering the fact that you've added a cleanse to the game, while simultaneously nerfing Ana's cooldowns as well. So like these double, these are the kind of things that would require proactive balancing, right? It's like anticipating, okay guys, we have a really strong handle of our game. When we nerf Ana, that automatically buffs the power of Roadhog. And then when we add a cleanse character, that also buffs the power of the person who's most hurt by anti-nades, which is Roadhog, right? So it's like these kind of things, I feel, are not being adhered to enough. There's too much reactive balancing, and that causes these problems because we yell at something, something comes out, we yell about it, and then a month later we get a change, and then we realize something else was, was, was borked, or something wasn't addressed, and that's still a problem, and then another month goes by, and they respond to that, now a new hero has come, a new problem has arised, and we rinse the cycle over and over where we're just like, we're yelling and they're like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Here you go. Here you go. Oh, that didn't do it. Uh, wait another month. So I, I don't know if anyone else shares these concerns. Costa, go ahead. I want to address uh, something that like, I think has been bothering me more and more lately is that I think there's been a lot of people yelling into the void and on Twitter. And, you know, I've been in the discords of feedback to the developers and stuff like that as well. And I understand that we're frustrated and that this shit is annoying and but we got to be careful about just like incessantly shitting on the developers because first of all they're people too and we should be you know you, you we need to be respectful in some way but like I also think that if you if we keep com like complaining in a net negative way where we're just always just like tearing them down they're going to stop listening to us and they will so because at the end of the day I think especially at the top end a lot of us aren't considering how they're balancing for the entire player base instead of just us as well. I'm not defending these most recent patch notes. I'm not saying it's perfect. They need to be more aggressive. They need to react better when they're adding something that enables another hero like the, like the Suzu. They need to be more careful with how that is going to affect other characters and how that's going to dominate the meta. But I think as a whole, as a community, like especially lately, people have been so negative. And I think... It not only hurts, you know, our relationship with the developers, it also hurts, you know, we're like, why does everyone hate Overwatch and, you know, shit on Overwatch incessantly when internally we're also hating on off Overwatch and shitting on it incessantly. It's just going to create this constant cycle. So I think I would, we just need to be more careful with that. No, and I 100% agree with that sentiment. I think that that should just go without saying, although sadly doesn't go without saying on the internet that, you know, developers don't deserve random abuse. Criticism should always be constructive. On the flip side, I would say we're not necessarily unique. I think I think every games community is like yeah, that's it, right? It yeah. will, it's they the will yell at their devs. <laughs> they will they will just like you know be like, what are you guys doing? Doesn't matter how good the game is balanced, people are going to be upset. Um, well, and I think also part of the the sorry, Ryan, for I'll let you I'll let you chime in a sec. Also, part of game development is listening to our feedback. However, we might we might structure it. Obviously, there are better ways to do it than others, but 
that is part of it. I want to hear Reinforce's thoughts, but I also want to go over to Craggy because there's something I want to ask him about. But go ahead, Reinforce. No, I just wanted to say as well, like, it, it's not even uh, about, like, uh, what, what Kasa said about, like, they'll stop listening or, like, they'll stop, like, discussing. It also, like, no one wants to, like, be associated with the negativity that's going on online. So, like, we ask for, like, all this more communication. We, we ask for the blogs. We ask for videos, stuff like that. Like, if you're a developer and you're seeing all this feedback where it's on social media, where it's on YouTube, and, like, all the comments are just, like, the shop sucks. You guys are greedy. Like, who wants to be who wants to be featured on that YouTube video where you talk about like the latest hero? Who wants to talk about like the comics? Who wants to talk about the story? Who wants to, you know, record a video where like you address the balance changes? Like who wants to show their face and like step in front of this shit show of a conversation that's going on online? Whether it's the balance, whether it's the shop, whether it's like this recent like Colosseo, like if you go to the Overwatch Reddit, holy fuck, man. Like we'll we'll save that for later. But like it it really sucks because I, I I wish there was a more friendly relationship between the player base, the community, and the developers. And like going back to like when they made the map thing, um, you know, on, on Twitch or whatever, like brilliant idea. But I think that's I, I think if I was a developer for the game, I would genuinely be like terrified that day, like, oh shit. I have to go do this content piece and like show my face and be the public face of our franchise that publicly is getting so much shit thrown at them. And I think that's like a, a, a big kind of like setback that, you know, we, we, we don't, we don't build like a community where the developers feel fun, uh, feel safe, feel fun being taken part in the content, taking part of the community. Instead, we just like pour shit all over their content content all the time. So I, I think that's a huge downside of like where we're at as a community and like the feedback people are giving. It's really unfortunate because I think it makes a big difference. We're like, holy shit, like the Overwatch devs, they're interacting with the community. You know, they're, they, I don't want to say comment on Reddit because that's awful, but like <laughs> they're interacting with the community and like having a good relationship because that'd be so much more beneficial for us, I feel like. But I don't blame them. Like, why would the devs want to do that? Yeah, and I 100% agree as well. It, it, it is a real shame. Um, and I think that partly Blizzard as a whole has has kind of lost its goodwill in this in, in over the years, right? Like, the just the idea of shitting on Activision Blizzard is very popular. And also, to be fair, you know, the devs did burn some bridges with how Overwatch 1 was handled. So the player base is upset and they don't have a lot of, like, grace in that sense. You know, when, when maybe if they... Maybe in, many years gone past if blizzard would have made a mistake the community might have been a bit more forgiving and said hey look you know they hit so often they gotta have a few misses but i think well with some how... of the community they're just assholes like just oh, a good yeah, bond some yeah. of the community they're just 100 they're just they're just assholes so and yeah. again neg negativity does thrive in the nature of the internet we're all content creators we understand that like a clickbaity like or what sucks is going to get you a lot of views as, a, as like a YouTube video. So it's just the nature of the internet. But I want to go back to something. What's that one YouTube channel that constantly just only has negative videos? Ah, oh, there's... Ah, oh, fuck, who is it? Video game donkey? <laughs> no. <laughs> he does do prepare, but... Ah, there, there's one news I was going to say think... someone else, but I'm not... I don't dare. I don't dare. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> drop it. Drop it. Give us the clip, bro. Give us the clip. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, there's someone who's like famous for just like they... All they do is make YouTube videos about like, how shit Or like just the death of stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like the death of and the thing. I can't remember who it is, but yeah. Someone's out there who's maybe, like one uh, yeah. of the worst. You, you, you do a little search or chat can maybe help yeah. as well. Well, I want to I head back to something else Custa said though about like, you know, we don't consider... If you're at the top end, we don't consider like, well, how are they balancing 
for the rest of the game. And I, I was actually, I think this is when we, we spoke, Craggy, because like, I was watching your stream. You were watching one of my, our podcasts back and you were talking about like, I don't, I, honestly, we shouldn't, care, like it shouldn't matter what, what the balance is in like plat beyond like extreme outliers. Ultimately, mm -hmm. you balance for the top down, it'll, it'll, it'll fall into place. Is that, is that a fair representation of your views? Like, would you like to elaborate? Like, how do you feel about what Custer said about keeping in mind the rest of the game's balance? Yeah, so I think, I think, and I actually looked at this in Overwatch 1. Um, I think low rank players play the game because they want to have fun with how the game feels. They don't care about the meta. So when Double Shield was meta in Overwatch 1, um, Double Shield was the most played in high rank. But then when I looked at low rank stats, Reinhardt was meta. So I feel like, so, so, in my opinion, I feel like you should balance the game around high-ranked players who care about the balancing, who's going to use every small advantage that there is to their advantage. So, for example, play Sojourn every single game right now or play Roadhog and Orisa and Mercy, that kind of stuff. But whereas low-ranked players, they want to have fun with the content that they have. They want to see new heroes. They want to see new maps. They want to play arcade. They just want to have a good time with their friends. And, for example, Soldier being 5% better than Tracer is not going to ruin their fun but that is going to ruin the, the fun for high-ranked players if Soldier is going to be 5% better than Tracer every single game for months and months and months. So, because those are the people that most of the time are going to play the same characters over and over again because they want to win. Um, and they're going to use every single advantage that they have to, to win that game. Um, that's why I feel like meta has slowly started, at least for me, has slowly started to to die out like that competitive spirit so now i just kind of pick whatever and play whatever um but i'm also way lower ranked now because of that um so so yeah so to to, so to the point do you feel like they should mostly focus on, on the top end or is there how much consideration do you think they should give to your average player in the metal ranks you know like maybe gold plat is like somewhere between gold plat is like average so like how much consideration in the balance should be given to them versus someone who plays in top 500 uh i feel like the majority of the balance changes that top 500 players have would be somewhat in line with low rank players uh they're not going to be ruining the game for them i feel like um like yeah like I've, i personally feel like i mean even someone like torb is actually quite strong in my opinion and i think most low rank players would agree with that as well Roadhog is oppressive in high ranks, and I feel like most low rank players would agree with uh, with me on that. Orisa um, is oppressive, so it's just like I, I feel like most of the characters we agree on, but there are those small, those few characters that we don't agree on, such as Sojourn. And because we don't agree on that, we have a massive problem right now, and have a, had a problem because Blizzard tried to Blizzard tried to dumb down Sojourn. I feel like in the recent changes where they. Uh, they made the, the the changes where she got more um, primary fire damage and uh, and got rid of the two times headshot uh, amplifier. So 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 yeah, the, at least that's the the mindset that I got. That they tried to dumb her down so she's worse in high rank but better in low rank. And um, but I just yeah, I don't know. I feel yeah, like, like balancing the game around low rank is, is going to create these issues, but I don't feel like balancing the game around high rank players is necessarily going to create a big issue for low rank players. Yeah, it makes sense. I was going to ask, ask as well, bring up the, the Genji changes, right? Because that was another area where I feel like a lot of the top 500 players were saying, 
this is not necessary, you're gutting the hero, but the sort of justification, whether publicly or not, was that, well, he's kind of oppressive in gold or plat. So, like, in that kind of scenario, where would you stand? Um, I feel like 90% of changes should be towards high-ranked players. And then if you have an oppressive, like, for example... In high rank players, maybe they want to nerf or buff maybe Reaper, for example, or 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 I don't know, I don't know. Maybe they want to buff Torp for some reason. I don't know, but yeah, like you would also take low rank into uh, into consideration. But I would say like ninety percent, vast majority of of the changes should be towards high rank players. Fair. I, I want to sort of come in with a side note as well. It's something that uh, I got frustrated with over the last you know couple of months of patches is that. I think Genji and Doomfist had the same issue where they buffed these heroes in the wrong ways of just like increasing the damage or increasing this kind of stuff. And what that does is it makes them ridiculously strong. And then they're like, well, look at how strong this guy is. We got to nerf them again. And then they nerf them back to where they originally were. And then we're like, okay, see, you know, now, now everyone's happy again. But it's like, if they just buffed these heroes in the right way or like gave them something that is a weakness without just increasing numbers or ammo capacity or something like that, I think they would see better results. Like Doomfist is the worst example of this. And I think uh, Get Quaked On and Dante both commented on this when the Doomfist buffs came through. It's like, these are the wrong buffs because we all know how strong he is going to be now. He's going to overperform and then he's just going to get nerfed into the ground again. And that's kind of what happened without them really addressing the issues that Doomfist had of like, why did you remove the slow on his like on his um, seismic slam? Like when he was at that beta position, he was in a good spot. You need to look more in that direction. And I think they need to be careful about that of just like buffing and nerfing the wrong things. Because like, I also think Genji was overperforming. I, I can't speak for the low ranks, but at high ranks, because Zaya was meta. Like Genji was so strong because he was such a good brawler. Plus when he got a Zaya bubble, you just can't kill him, right? So Plus the DPS passive that they effect. then removed. Yeah, and the DPS passive, right? Like there's so many things that made Genji strong other than the buffs that they gave Genji. Mm -hmm. Reinforce anything to add on on that kind of topic? Uh, yeah, I want I wanted to add about um about like balancing for lower ranks or or higher ranks. I I think I think when, when it feels so bad when you say like oh you should just balance and cater to the top five hundred players because it's so like it it's just sounds so narrow minded where it's like oh you're just balancing the game around the one percent. But I agree that of course you should look at lower ranks. You should look at like gold. You should look at you know what diamond like what's what's going on there and like is there a hero that like stands out but i feel like where i've landed is my general philosophy is if something is overpowered or really strong in top 500 in grandmaster chances are that hero is also really strong in the lower ranks in gold in silver and it might like it might show itself in different ways so just because like you have a sojourn player who's getting mercy pocketed in top 500 and just like team wipes using overclock or like whatever like, that doesn't have to manifest itself in that kind of way in gold. Like, you don't have gold players just, like, popping off and getting 5k with, with, with overclock. But you still have Sojourn players who play a hero that is slightly better than all the other heroes, and they're still able to, like, get more value out of that hero. So I think that's... I, I, I think what I've landed is that, like, you should balance around the 1% because they're... they're the game theory kind of is like, oh, well, that hero is more likely to be better in lower ranks, whereas, like, you say, oh, well, Torbjorn is really strong in silver, so now we need to, you know, nerf that hero, or, like, 
something other like oh reaper is not getting any pick uh, like getting picked at all in like gold we really need to buff reaper like i i, I think that's just I, I think that's a way more dangerous kind of like mindset and philosophy when it comes to the balance because i feel like you if you have, uh, you adapt like the top 500 trickle down mindset i i feel like you have a higher chance of balancing the game in like the right way without having like repercussions in like other ranks does that make any sense at all yeah, I mean, it, it follows a, a philosophy, right? It's like, if some, again, as Craggy was saying, like, the people at the high end will abuse every minor edge. So they will they will find what's the most broken. And therefore, like, the input will proportionally will reflect the power of the hero, right? So, like, the more people have to input, the more the power will demonstrate. And so it's hard for there something, it's unlikely that something would be as busted in, in the metal ranks if even the high yeah, end players I can't can get the extract the value out of it. If I can give a shitty explanation of how I'm thinking about this, it's like, imagine, okay, this is going to be so Here dumb. We go. This is like, this is a classic Johnny fucking stupid metaphor. All right. It, no, I don't know where I'm going with this. All right? Imagine <laughs> no, you got to just start. You'll find me. I just got to start. I just got to start. Right. Imagine, imagine you're like herding sheep. All right. Bear okay. with me, guys. Bear with me. We're at a Bye. farm. We're at okay. a ranch. All right. And we're herding sheep. We got like 50 sheep. I don't care. Right. Now imagine sheeps in this case being like heroes, all right? They're overpowered. So they're starting to like stray away from the pack, all right? They're starting to stray away. So the correct way is just like herd that sheep back into the pack, all right? Um, yeah. Wait, where the fuck am I? <laughs> is there a wolf involved rather, anywhere? Is yeah, there yeah, a, a, a like, collie, a border collie? Rather than just like going right into the pack where it's like the gold level or whatever and just like you know, fucking shit up in the middle of the pack. No, you want to, like, skirt the outside, which is, like, top 500, and just, like, make sure that, like, nothing strays too far away from, like, where it's supposed to be. So, like, do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> you can't okay, have let, just, like, sheep... Try to, can I try and interpret well, the street? The Johnny interpreter, <laughs> the Johnny whisperer. Okay. I think what Johnny's saying is you should be balancing for the high end because that's where like the the strays are coming from and you got to keep them yes. in. But you yes. need to keep an eye on the middle of the pack as well. And like, you know, they do that with like the unmirrored win rates at all ranks and stuff like that. Obviously, if they balance for the top end while also managing the effect that you're seeing in the mid ranks, like that is important, right? If something becomes massively oppressive in the mid ranks but isn't strong at the top end at all, they still need to address that in the metal ranks and stuff like that and then find a way for, for them to balance. But I agree that the top end is generally where you're going to get the most answers because, you know, metal ranks, there is no rhyme, reason, consistency unless you're looking at massive amounts of data and that uncontested win rate. Mm -hmm. Heard the, the sheep straying away sheep. from the pack. Yeah, heard the sheep. Yeah, whatever. Heard the sheep. Heard the, <laughs> the, the, the troublemaker sheep. You know, there's a few. Yeah, the troublemakers. Yeah, they're going to start going. too far away from balance. Eye. Nerf them. Nerf them back yeah. into the pack. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I think it was a very helpful and, and healthy discussion. Let's let's pivot now to the more PVE side of things uh, because that is going to be another huge factor of Overwatch hopefully coming 2023 i think they did they did say 2023 they will start the pve it's on the roadmap it's on the roadmap they they can't lie about that surely um <laughs> so we've seen like I, I don't even know if it's fair to call them previews of the pve right we, we saw the junker the the junkenstein event we've now got like this battle for olympus which you know some people have said well maybe this is kind of like what a talent tree would look like with some of these wacky buffs of the characters my my first question is just how much have you enjoyed what we've gotten so far? Uh, I'll go to Craggy first. Have you have you played any of the sort of the 
fringe modes that have come out, the Battle for Olympus, the Junkenstein, are you enjoying them? Uh, well, I uh, I did play this morning, uh, Battle of Olympus, and uh, it was filled with tank characters, so I, I left yeah. immediately and, and played ranked. So it just wasn't, it didn't feel balanced right basically is that is that what it was no was? no i i mean it's 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 uh, nice and unique and and like you said it uh, it does give a little bit of an insight of what's to come with the talent tree um but uh yeah it's uh it just feels like regular deathmatch with with a few changes and and did you play the junkin queen event uh yeah yeah that was fun i like that I can tell you're dripping with love and enthusiasm for the yeah. that mode. <laughs> yeah. Custa, how about you? you? You were saying as well you didn't seem to enjoy the Battle for Olympus too much. Yeah, so I've, I'll, I'll hit Junkenstein first. I thought Junkenstein was a good look at PvE, and I think it was like, obviously, once you can start getting uh, more depth into it, we start getting storylines, you start having talent trees, I think it'll elevate that a lot. But I think it was the best PvE event we've ever had, uh, so it was definitely a step up in some way. This Battle for Olympus, I am exactly with Craggy. I played the first one, realized that there were these overpowered abilities, looked up the overpowered abilities. My second game, I quit halfway through. Because, like, the problem with it, it's a cool idea where your ultimates become, like, super-powered and stuff like that. But, first of all, it just feels like if you don't have your ultimate, you just lose whatever battle you're in. And then, secondly, all of them are tanks. Like, if it was more DPS and support, it would be more fun. But, like... There is now an excuse to play Roadhog in a deathmatch, and now he shoots fucking boulders out of his gun and is unkillable and all that kind of stuff. So I think the idea was good. I think the execution... Obviously, the person who put the mode together also probably didn't choose the skins, right? And this is a showing the skins kind of event. So it, it kind of sucks that that's sort of how it went. And I think this was a prime example of people who were like, oh, I can't wait for the PvE and talent trees to come out, and then we can have some fun PvP modes. And this just reminded you that PvP modes would not be fun if you had talent trees because things are just stupid. They're supposed to be ridiculous and fun against NPCs and used in collaboration and not against other people. Because, like, I played Ramatra, and I was like, I finally got my ultimate in this mode, and he's supposed to be overpowered. I pop it, the Reinhardt just instantly shatters me with his ultimate and then just pins you, which instantly kills you if he's in his god mode and I just die. And I'm like, well, this wasn't fun at all. So it has, it's a cool idea, not what executed well. Yeah, it's funny. I, I fucking love this event. You know, I love oh it. As a tank player, as a tank player, maybe I'm biased, okay? I haven't played any Widow in the game mode. I barely, I play a little bit of Farah. And, you know, Farah is pretty fun, especially because you can, you know, fly around and stuff. But the way people just, like, hate this game mode, I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I think it's a fun little small event, okay? It's not next-gen PvE. It's not huge story mode. It's not trying to be... It's supposed to be, like, a small, unique little thing, you know, change things up a little bit. If you can't afford a battle pass, if you don't have these skins, you get to play with the new skins, you know? They're cool. You, you get to play with some modified abilities. You get to just... Join a game, and I've done it. I, I'm trying to get this damn Junker Queen title, and it's taking me some time. But it's fun. I enjoy doing it. All right, and maybe that's because I'm playing tank. But it's not trying to be like the fucking next coming of like PVE story missions and win a game award for it. It's just like a modified FFA. Now, a problem might have been that the way they promoted it, and they were like, "Oh, 
this new Battle for Olympus game mode, two weeks only. It's like, maybe, okay, maybe that was a bit heavy for like setting people's expectations of what this was. Hey, if you had a video with, I don't know, someone just being like, hey, we're doing this new little modified FFA and like, here's the devs playing an hour of this game mode on Twitch or something. And it's like, oh, that's kind of chill. Yes, there are some glaring issues. Like a lot of people complaining they can't play with a teammate. They can't do like play with their friends because it's FFA. That's a big issue, all right? It's not the perfect balance of characters. All right, I get that as well. I'm a tank player. Maybe the tanks are a little bit busted in that regard. But again, like what Costa said, they didn't... Yes, they are busted, all right? <laughs> I don't get how Lucio players play this game mode. But anyway, well, you know, you can boo people. And like, if you beat us, Lucio, like you, you're actually like pretty bonkers. Um, but so yeah, there are some like pretty, you know, significant issues with the game mode overall. But for being a small event that like you launch Overwatch and you're like, hey, do I want to play competitive today? Do I want to play quick play today? And there's a new event and just like, hey, there's a new event where you can like earn, you know, some new titles. If you're a new player to Overwatch, you get to earn a skin, all right? And if you've been playing fucking Overwatch six hours a day for the past five years, maybe you, you maybe you already have this Mercy skin, all right? But if you're a new player to Overwatch and you play this for like two seasons, then yeah, fuck yeah. You get a new skin for like playing this game mode for a little while and you can try out the new skins and you get to play, try out the PvE abilities. And the titles are hard to get as well. People are complaining just like, oh, it's going to take me like fucking 50 hours to get all these titles. I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to take like 75 hours. It's going to take me 75 hours to earn all these titles. Well, guess what? Hard to earn titles are good for the game. It's hard. It's, it's good for the game to have titles and cosmetics and titles that like are hard to obtain because you feel rewarded when you get them. And you feel like when you wear it, when you equip it, and I join a rank game mode, and this player goes like, Holy shit, you got 300 kills as Junker Queen in that game mode? Wow, you are some kind of Junker Queen degenerate. Why the fuck did you do that? But that's something to like look towards. It's not just like, here's a random title. I got level 35 in Battle Pass Season 1. Very cool. No, that title is something you attained. That's something you put work towards. That's not something you earned. And yeah, maybe you can't get all the titles because you're running out of time. Well, guess what? Don't be such an entitled bitch, okay? You can't have everything in this world. So sometimes you got to make some decisions, okay? It's not supposed to be this event where you just like get, here's some, here's some titles for you, sir. Here's some fresh titles and you can equip all of them and they're all yours. It's like, no, make some decisions. Make some hard decisions about what title you want to pursue so that you feel strongly more attached to it. I think it's great. Look, maybe it's a classic WoW gamer in me that's just like, oh, I wish to grind aimlessly and just mindlessly this fucking FFA mode for 10 hours. I like it. So I think it's a great little mode. I think people expected it to be like this this next level fucking PvE event, and it's clearly not. It's not supposed to be, but it's a fun little thing that makes Overwatch 2 feel fresh. You log on to the launcher, and there's something new going on, and the, something new the Overwatch devs put forward is PvE talents. Yeah, it might feel a bit clunky at times, but... It feels refreshing. It feels like it's you're getting new content. So I fucking love the game mode because I'm a tank player and I'm, I'll, I'll happily wear my, you know, narcissistic Zeus favorite child title moving forward. I will agree with everything Johnny said, except that the game mode isn't fun. That's, the, that's my only complaint with it. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, you know, in awe of, of, of his passion and, and the, I, I'm pretty confident that up until now, that is the longest anyone has spent discussing the Battle for Olympus in, in the Overwatch sphere. So I think there is the, you know, the 
definitive rant on Battle for Olympus by Johnny Reinforced right there. The Overwatch Reddit is such a fucking cesspool with just like five <laughs> of the six posts. Overwatch Reddit. Get out of there, Johnny. Well, There's like, nothing yeah, good comes out of the Overwatch Reddit. You, you went okay. into the you went into the toilet and expected something other than shit in there. Like what did you yeah. what did you want, Johnny? <laughs> look, you literally look, went to the bathroom, looked down the toilet bowl, and you were like, damn, there's shit in there. Like, of course there was, Johnny. I will message the Overwatch devs myself and just like ask them like what social media or what website do you like go for feedback or like where do you go to read and if they say the Belnet forum fine I'll just browse the Belnet forum from now on if they say Twitter and like verify them out if they say like a WhatsApp group I will ask to be invited to what that WhatsApp group because I just want to live with like the developer glasses see what they see digest the feedback that they digest so I can get like an understanding of like what they're going through. So yeah, maybe it isn't Reddit. Maybe if I reach out, they're like, oh, we never go to Reddit. But the fact that there are so many fucking bitches complaining on Overwatch Reddit about this game mode, and they're like, it's a disgrace. Do you realize how like demotivating that is? Do you realizing how 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 frustrating that is? Someone who like walks into work every day, you go to campus and you're like, hey, I really want to work on this like happy game with like fun characters and like people can identify with the characters and like we build up a happy story and it's trying to be this nice place. And you're trying to get feedback from the community, and it's just like, this is a disgrace. This is one of the worst Overwatch events of all time. This is horrible. What are the devs thinking? Like, holy, like, I wouldn't want to work on the game. Like, I would just straight up not want to, like, work on that game. Because it'd be so hard to get a positive feedback loop where you feel like you're doing rewarding work. And you feel like you're making people happy in that regard. So, yeah, maybe, maybe there's some fucking sanctity on the internet where, like, Overwatch devs go to read happy comments everywhere. But I haven't found that place. So, if you know, just hit me up in the DMs. I don't know. I just think it's so frustrating that people are always so negative and they expect every event to be fucking game award winning because it's not it doesn't have to be all right it was a fun little event with the cool new skins and you know we get to try out some modified abilities that's it i think what's cool you get to earn some titles if you're me that that's all it has to be i think i think you know beautiful rant aside and middle finger to overwatch reddits and other various forums i think you bring up an interesting point which is that there is a lot of negativity I think particularly around the monetization. And I think this this leads nicely into just the conversation on monetization, how it's going to go forward from now on, because the machine has started and it will only continue from this point on. You know, already people are upset about paywall heroes. We're going to have PvE. Who knows how that's going to be monetized? I'm sure however it's monetized, people will be unhappy. But there's definitely a very strong negative sentiment, I think particularly around like skins in the shop and the inability to kind of get that many skins because they're so expensive. Craggy... How do you feel about the monetization? Like, and also the criticism of the monetization. Do you think it's fair? Like, are you happy with it? Or do you think people are, you know, right to express the grievances on Reddit that Johnny's referring to? Or, or are they off their rocker? Well, I think, uh, I think the elephant in, in the room is the $19 Overwatch skins that, that is uh, a little bit of an issue, in my opinion. Um, but... But I'd like to talk about the battle pass. I think I think the battle pass is great. I think it has great rewards. Um, but this season, I have been playing on an account that doesn't have the battle pass unlocked. I'm pretty sure you gain more experience if you if you buy the premium battle pass, yes. right? And it it takes a long time to go through. Um, I feel like I feel like if you actually grind it all the way through and you spend so many hours. I feel like you should at least be re rewarded with another battle pass the next season. Um, I think they should incentivize people to play uh, that way. Um, 
instead of having people to instead of having people to grind it all the way through to then spend money on a new one that comes out next season. Um, so I feel like I feel like there should be uh, uh, premium coins in the battle pass so you can buy the next battle pass if you finish it. Mm-hmm. I, I I definitely don't disagree with the idea that there should hundred percent be premium coins in a battle pass. I think on the on the issue because this is a frequent one about like well if you complete the battle pass you get the next one for free. I guess the point counterpoint from the devs would be that puts us in an awkward situation because we we we're left with one of two choices: a continue to give you a very good battle pass and then people grind it and we don't make money because they continue to have an infinite battle pass, or b we stuff the battle pass with a load of crap because we know you're going to grind it. And then all the good stuff, because like the mythic skin is incredible value at the end of the battle pass, right? But then maybe they're now like, maybe we don't want to put the mythic skin in the battle pass because everyone grinds it and they get it forever. Like you buy it once, you grind it forever. Maybe now they're Is that they're a having... problem that they're grinding the game, right? Like if someone's playing enough to get 80 levels in the game, I feel like that should be like that's that should be their their net goal, right? And I'm sure that most of the people they make money off of are people who spend $10 on it and then never finish it. Because I'd actually be interested to know what the numbers are of the number of people who buy the battle pass to the number of people who complete the battle pass. Because I would say it would be very low i would say probably less than 30 percent less than 20 percent maybe because a lot of people like that's how i play other games right like obviously overwatch is different because it's my job but like other games i buy battle passes left and right never finish them just because like i that's how most consumers are of like these games so i i i've talked about the monetization model on this podcast before and you know you know where i stand on it I agree. I think the, if the prices went from $20 to $15, I think that is much more reasonable and people would buy it. I'm not talking about corporate greed. Corporate greed is just how it's going to run. You know, that they're a publicly traded company. They're always going to be greedy. But I think realistically, they would sell more if it went down to 15 than 20 And I think that would be a net gain for them overall. But they have more data than uh, we do. I agree that the battle pass is hard to finish. I think they should have rewards of the premium currency as well. I think those things would incentivize people to buy it and play the game. And for me, it's not even about the money. I think they just need to keep adding incentives for people to play the game because otherwise people will stop playing the game. And we're already seeing the decline, right? And it comes down to like, where do we stabilize? And the game hits a good point. And if they keep messing up the meta and the monetization and people are just going to be perpetually mad, we're just waiting for a new game to come out that will eventually kill Overwatch. Yeah, Johnny, do you agree with that with that sentiment? So I, I got two points on this. The first one, uh, w when it comes to like premium tokens, whatever in the battle pass, I don't, I don't know how the math breaks down, and you know I'm not going to do math on stream. But a big wouldn't the big problem be that like imagine you got to like level I don't know 51 or whatever, and then you bought your way up to like a mythic skin or whatever, or you bought yourself to like premium currency, like. Wouldn't it then be kind of like the math would be that like it would just mess up like the revenue for Blizzard, where like you would have players buy like an ten levels inflate, in the battle pass to earn the like an entire next season battle pass. Buying ten levels is very expensive. Well, you could just like, also I, you could you could just inflate the price accordingly, right? Right? If if you know you're going to give them ten coins, you can bump the cost of leveling that up by ten. Yeah, I I don't know how to do that in like a transparent way, but I guess that would be like, if if you were to reward people with premium currency, which you know in in the battle pass, you'd have to figure out like 
how that would mathematically mathematically work with buying levels in the battle pass and like are 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 are, are your player base just going to like game the system to like you know get 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 the next season battle pass for you know a pretty a pretty cheap sum of money compared to like buying it fresh like the the, mm -hmm. the patch day when like the new season drops like buying it that day like are people going to just like so i don't know it, it's it's a difficult situation i don't have an answer for you um in that regard i do think that like the people who play the game the most should be rewarded in that sense and feel like they're um feel like they're sort of like belonging to the game in such a way that like there, there's some recognition there that like hey you're a fan of this game like you'd love overwatch as a product and you're heavily invested in this we're going to reward you in that sense that like we recognize that you're a real one you know and we're, we're going to give you some sense of reward there's no reward right now for like playing overwatch and like being a fan of the game and i think that is one of the issues where like you want your you want your player of the game to feel some kind of like connectivity to the game they want to feel some kind of like relatability to the game and they want to be recognized they want to re be recognized for their time and effort goodbye Kosa. um he's like recognized for my time really. and effort fuck out of here i'm gone yeah oh well uh, i'm craggy now on the stream hello yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, what up craggy oh i'm close oh, there we go. There so we go. He's back. He's back. Um, you good? So yeah, I'm just gonna you know continue after because yeah. uh, I guess it's sort of. But um, but yeah, I do think that is something that we need to strive towards, where like the player base feel like they're rewarded for the time and and, and effort, and um, you know, it's not always time. It's you know, it's about you know talking about the game with like your friends, and it's about um, you know, supporting the game publicly and like merchandise and like wrapping that stuff, like feeling like you. You you belong to a game in that way. I think I think I think that's like really important um, to, to to work towards. Um, the other point I had uh, was about the monetization of the game and monetization of the battle pass. So, um, Over Overwatch Two is in this very like tricky situation where when you have like these, um, we have these models where it's free to play. But then you can, you know, buy skins and you have like whales and stuff like that. The problem is that like you don't, you, most whales in like mobile games and stuff like that, they buy loot boxes. They buy, it, it's, you know, it's, it's going to a casino for them. They're investing money. And I've, I've seen this in real time, Costa has as well, <laughs> where people invest this money for like an opportunity or a chance to get like a legendary skin or like they're, they're buying the lottery ticket, right? They're not buying something outright. And so, I think Overwatch is in this sort of like problematic revenue game where you don't really have whales in Overwatch. Like there, unless there's someone who's just like, I'm going to buy every single skin in the store, then yeah, maybe they're a whale. But you can buy the battle pass and like you can buy some levels and maybe a few skins, but like that's about it. There's so the way I'd like visualize this is that like the distri the dis distribution of revenue from your source of players in like mobile games where you can just buy loot boxes, the top 1%, the top 2% of your player base that sends money, they're going to bring in so much fucking money to you because they're just pouring in money for these lottery tickets. Whereas with Overwatch, because there's a limited amount of items you can buy, it's more like dispersed among the ranks, where it's like, we need as many people as possible to buy the battle pass versus like a few individuals just pouring tens you of thousands or hundreds of thousands I think this is no, where he's going I, with this. I'm making yeah. the distinguish. I'm, no, I'm making the distinguish where like 
it's problematic to like reward your players with a free battle pass because most like this a big source of your revenue is actually having the returning players purchase the battle pass right. whereas with gacha games can get away with you know yeah, rewarding fair. regular players like that so i don't know i'm trying to paint a picture where like people buying the battle pass are actually like contributing massively to the revenue that overwatch generates that's sort of like that's sort of like where i think things land so that's why i think it's difficult to reward people with free battle passes or free stuff because um overwatch 2 doesn't have these whales that just like splurge uh, massive amounts of money on the game so you need your casual average player to buy the battle passes and buy a few skins now and then i don't know yeah i think that's a very that's fair point and i think that like it's maybe it's a place where a more communication if it's possible would be great about like how the devs view it because if the devs are like look we don't want a whale model we don't want a model where like basically most of you are being funded by a very small percentage of of you know hardcore people just absolutely burning through their bank accounts we want to create a system where we encourage as many people as we can to buy the battle pass and that's why we're not giving you free battle passes because we want to make almost like a more democratic system where the more of you fund it rather than just one very small set the billionaires funding it as it were but i think that's where we're kind of left in the dark because i i don't know what percentage of revenue Overwatch is making from its battle pass versus from its skins, you know, versus from oh, buying no one knows. boosts. Yeah, we, we have no idea. And, and obviously, that. I don't expect them to tell us. I don't expect them to say, oh, SCB, by the Absolutely way, we made <laughs> this much. But it would be helpful to have their vision of like, okay, well, our vision is that we want people to buy the battle pass because we think that's like a fair model for everyone, right? Like that, that would, I think hopefully players would be a bit more understanding there. Um, I think, I think another to... issue that, that they're facing is that because all majority of the skins um, have been available for free in Overwatch One, they don't feel the skins don't feel pr uh, prestigious. Prestigious. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. As like other games do, um, and most most people that had Overwatch One already have a ton of skins for a ton of different characters. So it's not like, for example, when valorant first came out like everybody needed to buy skins in order to get uh you know change the colors of their guns and whatnot to get a new knife and all that kind of stuff because because a lot of overwatch players already have that and a lot of overwatch players are used to skins um they've seen most of the skins that people use of course some of the newer newer skins are way better in my opinion than the old ones um but i've also seen for example when the reinhardt skin came out i've seen a lot of ryan players buying that skin and running around with it so, but I feel like, I feel like the, the, yeah, the whole like idea of having like a prestigious uh, skin has, isn't really a thing in, in Overwatch, like other games like CSGO has, or, or let's just take Valorant, for example, where you can buy a knife for like $19 or $20. It, I, I feel like a knife is more worth in Valorant than, for example, a Mercy skin is in, in Overwatch. I think well, that's I mean, where, uh, sorry, Mythic skins come in, right? Of like, they're the prestigious skins, because especially... We haven't really seen. Sorry, SBB. I don't want to no, talk. Point. I'll be real quick. Is that these myth? Like that mythic Genji skin in like two years is going to be way cooler than it is right now because in two years it's going to be were you around two years ago? Bought the first battle pass, finished it because it's the only way you can ever get that Genji skin. And we haven't really gotten to that point of exclusivity with these skins of like, hey, I have this one that you probably don't have if you weren't playing back then. Uh, but I, I I agree with everything Craig said. Of like the problem is we have a wealth of skins that the new skins don't feel as impactful, and it's like Overwatch players need to change their mentality of everything that goes into the shop 
you don't get every skin. You've got to kind of pick and choose. Like, I only chose the Widowmaker skin from this thing because I thought the Widowmaker skin was really cool. But, like, there was a couple cool ones, but I'm not going to spend $20 on them. Yeah, I mean, Kefri is, is in here, like, being like, that's a pay-to-lose skin because you can hear the snake sound so they can give away your flank. So, good job, Chump Custer, falling for the pay-to-lose. Yeah, but, like, right. yeah this I mean, is why I'm no good at Widowmaker. Because I mean, everyone can again. hear me. <laughs> that's why, yeah, that's why. I mean, this is the problem with, I think, Overwatch, where it's like, it, it's it's stuck in this, because it's such a unique way that's gone about it, where it's like, we had this game that was box model, and then we've kind of sort of transferred everything over, but we're free to play, and there's new stuff. Because, like, imagine if... They took away all, like, there were no skins that you had to carry over from Overwatch 1, right? Imagine if, like, Overwatch 2 came and it was fresh. No, like, everyone only had the default skins. Now every skin would be, like, really rare and it would be like, oh my god, because not everyone would be running around with, like, 10 legendary skins in their inventory they don't care about. Not to mention the fact that compared to Valorant, like, this point has been made before, but, you know, well, the knife is transferable whoever you play. And you can even pick up other people's weapon skins, right? Like, Whereas in Overwatch, it's like you buy one skin that's for your character, you barely even see it half the time. You only see like maybe the handle compared to like everybody else gets to see how cool your the whole body of the skin looks, whole body for certain characters. But like you're you just see like a little bit, right? So it's like these little problems that Overwatch has that, that kind of hurt it in a little bit. And almost some areas where they've been fair and other areas where they're kind of using a few smoke and mirrors, which again is the problem i think there's so much frustration because there is some of these smoke and mirrors where like i think about like that bastions or was it a bastion skin that was like five coins or something like there was that bundle that you could buy for like really cheap yeah but you can't buy one coin you can't, yeah one coin but you can't buy one coin you got to buy a thousand coins right so now a player has to buy it's like these little tactics that, that are part of the industry now where you know you kind of foot in the door to get someone in well they got to buy a thousand coins though and then skins. And you should cost have at least twenty coins. Like if you had played the game, you would get coins. You could get yeah, a couple yeah, a of amount of coins, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You do, so, you do. Like, but the, I, I, I think the ideology behind uh, the ideology behind these kind of uh, tricks again is that okay, well, this skin costs ten coins, but you can only buy them in bundles of a thousand. The next skin costs like a thousand and you know whatever. So you're left with some leftover coin, and you know it's kind of like ways to get you through the door, which I think people resent. Because it feels like they're being forced into getting this money, where previously in Overwatch One, they're getting all these loot boxes and stuff for relatively free. So I understand people, you know, people just aren't happy with the 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 new world we're living in. Basically, the kind of the sneaky tactics that get employed to try and get you to pay for the game. And at this point, I want to I want to shift over to the conversation about the PVE because sorry, can, can I just have a yeah few yeah more go ahead reinforce yeah go ahead go ahead yeah I mean because the, I I think. You know that that was a problem as well when Diablo Immortal was released. Like I think that was a new sort of like a new thing for Blizzard to have that kind of like uh, monetization model for one of their games. Where Diablo Immortal, it was using some of those tactics as well when it came to pricing items and pricing bundles and then pricing, you know, buying those items. I think we even had it in Overwatch, like season one or something, where like if you wanted to buy a specific bundle, you had to like buy this like you know slightly larger pack of currency or whatever just to be able to like there was definitely some kind of like tactic like that i think i think he implemented that first um i I, uh, I like what you brought up about like the fact that everyone already has these skins because it's a unique problem now for watch 2 and like the game industry where you know i i wonder what like the math would have been broken down to whether you're you'd sell your skins for cheaper so that everyone can buy all skins that come with a new battle pass so say like do we want the are are we pricing our items to have the player base buy 
all of the Olympus skins? Or are we pricing our items so that they can buy one or two cosmetics instead? And the fact that we've had, we've, we had those so many years of the player base gets all the skins, they get everything, they're entitled to literally every cosmetic being released into the game, and, you know, portrait pictures and stuff like that, you know, they're a bit different, but the fact that everyone already has so many skins, the only reasonable monetization model for Blister to pursue is where you put large, significant emphasis on one or two skins, which means a higher price point for skins because people care less about having lots of skins. They care more about having a skin they really like, which leads to higher prices, which leads to customer dissatisfaction because you know they don't want to pay $30 for a skin. But I think because everyone else, because everyone has so many skins already, I think that's like the only reasonable kind of like monetization model to pursue really. So it's kind of like an unfortunate position we're in because we've had free items or free cosmetics and people have so much access to so many things already. So I think I think some things that they might need to focus more on is is uh, different visual effects, something that we haven't had in old skins, but we're seeing in newer skins. Um, I think that's where they're going to have to put their focus in in order to, uh, to uh, have people buy these new skins. That's also yep. like a, a dark path, though. I mean, I, I think audio is a good way as well, potentially. Like, and I, I remember Frogger complaining that the new Lucio skin doesn't have like new music, which he was very upset about. But like, there, that, is, that, that does <laughs> create... I know. That does create like another problem though, which is like I've experienced this when playing like other MOBA games, for example, with like Dota, where you're like, especially when you're trying to learn, oh, I tried to learn League of Legends a while back and I'm like struggling already because I don't know all the characters. So I'm like, I see a character appear on the enemy team and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy again? Like, what does he play? Now they also have like a fucking legendary skin that they can equip that completely changes how they look. So like, I'm already like, wait. That's oh that's the other guy oh yeah right he's the other guy he's just wearing a skin that I don't recognize and his even his abilities have different colors and stuff so like that might be that eventuality with Overwatch where like does a new player know the difference that that's Genji versus Genji in the Mythic skin with like different sounds like might might that throw him off a little bit and in contribute in a small way to the whole this is an overwhelming game for a new player like this is a lot to take in for a new player because it's not just the character but it's a different look on the character so. I do agree. I think it would be cool, but that's, I guess, some consideration that they have to pay in mind, which is like, we don't want to confuse people too much either. Um, okay, but I do want to move on, unless anyone else has anything out, add on this regard on the PvE monetization. No? Okay. So yeah, I mean, we're, we've got PvE coming up, what well, we hope. My first question is just, what do you expect this year, right? Like, so 2023, like, wh how much PvE, what would the PvE look like? And then we'll get into talking about, like, how it would develop. I'm going to go to Custa first, who looks deepest in thought. Custa, like, what do you expect on the PvE end for 2023? I think we'll probably get some for form of full story of, like, one arc of, like, the PvE missions. The, the way that I'm expecting it to go for the PvE is that, like, we're just going to get multiple arcs that constantly come out, and that's sort of, that'll be, like... DLCs or like future missions and stuff like that. They've sort of shown us that like there's like Zenyatta. I think it'll be very surface level of like Overwatch coming back, which I think is cool. And I think that that can drive the lore. For me, the only thing that matters for PVE is that it's replayable. That's the more than anything else. Obviously, it needs to be fun, but there needs to be some sense of replayability. There are a lot of PVE games out there, especially four player co op games 
where there is a reason to play the same mission over and over and over again. And there are things that you can apply to the difficulty of the game that will make it replayable over and over and over. One of the biggest examples that I can use from personal experience is I think the missions need to be like Mythic Plus from World of Warcraft, where there is an infinitely scaling difficulty that will allow the, you know, fresh players to just sort of like make it a little bit more difficult, but the top end players make it really difficult, right? And then they are rewarded and such with things that they can get. Um, and if they can find a way to tap into that and accomplish that, I think they will have a very successful game. My big fear of it is that people will come, they will play the missions once, they'll finish the storyline, and they will never play it again. Because what will happen is that's just not a healthy ecosystem. And it what will happen eventually is people just stop coming back for the PVEs. And then the game's dead in the water. Mm -hmm. Craggy. Would you agree with that sentiment? Like, it, it replayability is the king? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think I also think that's what they they intend to do with the with the skill tree. They yeah. want people to constantly grind a skill tree, kind of like how you grind uh, armor in, in WoW uh, in order to eventually beat the hardest difficulty. Um, but yeah, I, I think it would be good to have, like, like a whole setup of of having to grind the PVE in order to beat it at the highest difficulty. Um, I know it's kind of like I also like one game that I that I also like to play a lot. Um, haven't played a lot recently is uh, Left 4 Dead. I think that's a fun game that you are like these survivors versus the killers. Um, I don't know if that's ever anything they're gonna do, but let's say they have like if they plan on doing something the same that you have to run through a map but you have these special bosses that are stronger than the regular minions um that the people could play that would also be be interesting if they ever you know do something with that but that wouldn't be pv but but that would also be pretty cool in my opinion mm -hmm. twitch integration I for that kind of stuff is cool as well like for left for dead and stuff like that where you have like chat can like you know imagine if chat could throw a fucking roadhog at you right like that'd be fun be a lot of roadhogs coming your way, Custa, knowing, knowing your, <laughs> your love for roadhog and your chat. Let's just do this revolutionary game design thing. Quick little <laughs> Twitch integration. You know. Well, that's not I revolutionary. That shit was in Left 4 Dead 2 yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah, like, oh, really? Left 4 Dead did that? You could send... Left 4 Dead 2, yeah. They had a, they, you could play that game mode with Twitch integration and chat could send you like a bunch of enemies. Oh, shit. Yeah, add that. <laughs> there you go, then. Yeah, converted. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I'm a bit more curious before we, we head to reinforce this thoughts about Craggy, like, in your mind, is there like a, is there like a template of like, this is the kind of experience I would want in the PV, like maybe another game or something you've, you've seen online? Um, yeah, no, no, I think, I think Cust was, was pretty spot on with the PVE. I, uh, like I'm mostly a, a competitive player. I don't play a lot of, uh, of PVE stuff, but I, I am actually excited to to play Overwatch PvE and and go through the the lore and and see what they have already now it it might be a little bit weird but like i've seen on i think it's rialto on like first point all the way uh to the right side where the the river runs they added a new part there mm -hmm. um i assume it's for PvE but like just stuff like that like gets me excited to to start and explore more of the maps and uh, and see the the new uh, PvE characters that they have designed cuz there was that Oh, what was it called? There was that one. Uh, was it on Rialto like a long time ago? Was that on another? Oh, map? the Retribution. Yeah, like there, there's been some really good PVE uh, 
missions in the past. So I, I think I think they're gonna do good. I think Blizzard is good at doing PvE stuff, so I'm excited for it. Reinforce, you're channeling something. I can see you kind of, you know, conversing with the forefathers on this one. What's what's the what are they telling you about the PvE? Um, I don't really care too much about like the rule set of PvE. I don't really care too much about like how it will play. I don't. I don't. I think I think the biggest thing about PvE for me, and I've just had this like realization recently. I think it's a way bigger deal than we like give it credit for, because I think a lot of people they look at something like the Junkenstein PVE event and they're like, "Oh, this will be PVE," which is like people talk about PVE like it's a complementary thing, like it's a secondary kind of thing that will be added, you know, to to Overwatch and something like a new player base can enjoy in the game. I think that PVE will be like the thing. I think. Man's that the, the developers, I think the developers like envision PVE to be like what can take Overwatch from like a niche multiplayer game or niche is the wrong word, but like a multiplayer game where like you play the characters, you're in maps, and you compete for SR, and like that's kind of what you do in Overwatch. And then you know you will play some custom games. Like Overwatch as a game, and maybe I'm not giving it enough credit because, like, how complex is, like, Apex? Like, how, how deep of a game is Apex, for example? But it's still successful. Like, Fortnite. Like, at the end of the day, you're just fucking dropping out of a bus. And then you go, you know... So you don't need a game <laughs> to be, like, this expansive fucking thing, right? But I think that Overwatch... I think Blizzard thinks that they have, like, lightning in a bottle with, like, the storytelling, with the characters, with the world, with everything that goes into this franchise. And I, I, I think... I think the bottle in this case is just multiplayer and like what we're doing right now. I think there is so much potential with this franchise that we're not really exploring yet. So yes, I mean, Overwatch right now, as you said earlier, it's like, it's an early access, you know? Like we're still playing, we got a few new maps, we got a few new heroes, but we're still just doing the same old thing, all right? Remember hearing about those news articles all the time where it's like, wow, the Overwatch developer team, they're hiring hundreds of people. They're expanding like all hell, okay? Is this the result of all those people getting hired? What we're doing right now, is that the result of all these people getting hired? I think a significant portion of the people working at Overwatch, they're working on PvE right now. They're working on franchising. They're working on like the brand management. They're working on like, how can we take what Overwatch is right now? And how can we... How can we like enter the mainstream? Like, how can we really take what we have right now and build it out in such a way that like everyone will be talking about their watch? And this is mad copium, all right? I'm just gonna say it, it right it's, now. It's, it's just the, the heaviest of fucking, fucking copium. Scales right Dude, you don't think I've got fucking gas canisters like of just hopium right next to me on the desk, right? But I think I I genuinely think that like given how little promotion there's been about Overwatch 2, how little emphasis there's been on marketing, in, in the grand scope of things how few things have been added to the game experience compared to Overwatch 1 and that they're labeling us early access. We haven't launched. Like, Overwatch 2, as a game, in Overwatch's mind, has not launched. Like, we're early access. So the launch, and I think this will be PvE, will be, like, the big release for Overwatch 2. And that's where their resources are going to be emphasized. That will be the big thing. That is when we'll see, like, integrations with, like, you know you know, real-life people. Even the World of Warcraft Dragonflight announcement thing, right? They got, like, actual, like, famous people to participate in, like, 
promotional videos and stuff like that, right? They made like fucking sick trailers. That is, and I think when PVE is released, when Overwatch 2 will like truly like take on like its next chapter. So I'm under full fucking copium. But I think that like, I, I, I don't think that like the Overwatch 2 developers, I don't think they're looking at multiplayer and it's like, hmm, this, how, how, how do we improve matchmaking? That is the big thing that will take what we have right now in Overwatch 2 and make it like the next biggest thing. I think that like the executive people on Overwatch 2, they're like, how can we take the franchise we have in Overwatch with the storytelling, with the universe, the characters and everything we have about that, the cinematics that people love, how can we take that and make it fucking Marvel? And I'm not talking like cinema movies, but I'm talking about like, how can we expand on this franchise and this universe to make it way more integrated into like pop culture and into in like the mainstream. Because right now it's just, that's just my prediction. I think yeah. PvE will be a massive fucking deal and it will be expansive, it'll be replayable. And I think multiplayer will be like a side thing to the actual PvE thing. That is how I envisioned them planning out the game. I mean, that's a very interesting thing. I can see Custa's facial reaction is just complete. He believes in the copium, but I mean, I, okay, go ahead, Custa. Give you, give no, you. Like... No, no, no. I, I don't want to. I don't. I, if you're right, Johnny, fucking a. I would love for the PVE to to take Overwatch to the promised land because I think we can all agree that the I... PVP isn't. So you know. Yeah, I mean, I would say because 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 Johnny says you know it will be this. I think they uh, my slight different wording would be they wanted to be that. Now, obviously, whether like the. Well, if obviously, it's good, I don't fucking know. Yeah, yeah, obviously, uh, like, I'm not yeah. saying you're an actual soothsayer. I think my, my only concern is, because I actually agree with your sentiment, I've spoken to some of the executive, you know, Blizzard people. I obviously cannot tell you without getting sued the fuck out of what they what You've done more about. than me. <laughs> I've but, never. But, you know, well, I they guess are... I spoke to Aaron once, but... Uh, they are... They they do are in it for the long haul. Right? They I don't think they're like... Oh, we'll we'll make and the long haul. It's not season six of the battle. No, pass. no, it's, long haul is not. You know, well, let's keep getting a few people to buy the battle. Long haul is like this franchise, and I think as well this like their, their long haul is this franchise goes huge, and I think we underestimate sometimes the impact that like a really popular, powerful franchise can have. I mean, we only have to look at like League of Legends and all the crap they do, but even that is not even League of Legends as amazing as Arcane as a Netflix show is, as many as like these little j-pop k-pop music videos that they make are even that i don't think i think blizzard would look at that and say we have they haven't even hit the ceiling of what can be done and like you think about like think about a game like elden ring which is like everyone is like critically acclaimed it's like the best game ever it's best game released in many many years that sold 15 million copies right Overwatch in like a week Overwatch 2 had like 30 million players right so like we sometimes underestimate the the scale, considering it's a global franchise, right? It's not just a franchise that gets played in the US or in Europe, China, Korea, like India. Well, like not China big... anymore. Well, we'll see about <laughs> it. I, I remain skeptical that that will fall through. I'm sure that they'll find because it is. What does the deal expire in two days? No, it's we got another twenty days until it expires. Twenty days. All right. I'm sure uh, there's no way because it's a huge market. The point being, it's a huge market. There's no way they're not tapping into that market. Whatever compromise they need to make, right? And I think they're going to look at that and they're going to say, we need to go big. We need to like, dom like, you're right. I, I do think, I think, think Johnny's right that they want like a, a gaming Marvel, right? No, I'm not talking about, yeah, again, not talking movies, but like this shit needs to be everywhere. There needs to be on, like, you know, we have so much random Lucio's and Pachimaris that you can buy IRL, right? I think they want more of that. It's like, they, this needs to be on dolls. This needs to be on like 
hoodies and and mouse like mouse pads and all this we need everywhere yeah but the question remains the delivery of it right that all predicates stuff in the delivery and the one concern i have because obviously again everyone is probably saying what johnny said which is like what well if if they hired all these people if they took a break from developing overwatch one for all this time and it wasn't for some huge pve what the hell was it for right that's everyone's like well what was it all for but we're not going to get like the whole thing obviously in 2023 it just starts the rollout we know this we all know this we're not going to get the whole thing it's going to be some version of it and I think that some version has to be very, very good because like you can't drop this long-awaited sequel, the real Overwatch 2 PvE experience, and then the first iteration of it is whack or underwhelming because our expectations are so high. It can't high. be half-assed. Yeah, our expectations yeah. are so high now, like especially amongst the Overwatch community, we've waited so long, but even amongst the rest of the community, I, I'm dreading like the donkey video. Craggy brought up donkey, but I, I'm dreading the donkey video where he plays Overwatch pve for the first time he's like it's just overwatch 1.7 now like you know he's just like it's not even that good like it's just like they you don't come back from that i don't feel like i feel like if you're just kind of dead in the water then at that point if that's like the big hopium and then it doesn't manifest so i i only hope fingers crossed hopium johnny brought his oil tanker i'm sniffing some of that um i really bro, hope I got that so it, much fucking hope <laughs> in the backyard bro i really hope it hits it's, because because it's just like it can't afford to fail, is my is my sentiment. I, I, Craggy, I'm curious about your thoughts as well. Like, do you think you think they're going big picture, or do you think it's like still going to be PvP first? Um. Well, I I I definitely hope they go big picture. I think the whole Overwatch universe has big potential, especially also with what we saw with the League of Legends Arcane. I think, I think Overwatch can do something uh, the same like that. I think there's a lot of lore. Um. That uh, that people are interested in with Overwatch, um, but whether or not they're gonna follow through it and actually do it, um, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'll I'll be honest. I've uh, I think I'm in the same boat as a lot of with a lot of people that there's been a lot of disappointment recently. So, um, but I, for for sure, I mean, like I I really hope that they do tap into this whole market of making a, a series um but um but we'll see i mean it's up to blizzard at the end of the day for me I mean, you, oh, sir, I quick think, point i was gonna i was gonna quickly say that if we want to judge the cultural impact of overwatch you only have to look at the fact number one porn hub search for video game characters was diva by quite a long distance so we're number one in some field we just need to tap that energy let's let's just yep. tap the rule 34 energy and crank it to Let's the not max tap that energy per se i mean not specifically i'm not saying they should branch out into <laughs> adult content but there's an interest amongst the 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 people the people want you know more or watch people characters. know us yes for me, aware of us. i think overwatch's future is never going to be successful if we just remain a pvp game like overwatch will die eventually because yes we got this new overwatch 2 release yes it brought a lot of people back but we're just waiting like valorant wasn't a good game to kill overwatch because it's such a competitive game but there will be another casual game that comes out that will eventually just fade overwatch into non-existence right so yeah. i think activision blizzard realizes that they need to capitalize that they have so much market share right now and i think pve is the direction they should go titan the original game that overwatch was supposed to be the big mmo it didn't get off the ground and that's what created overwatch but 
there's something there and i think everyone recognizes there is something there and people forget because we meme activision blizzard so hard because of the, the fumbles over the last five years but this is a company that built the world of warcraft universe that is one of the biggest franchises in the world right and they know how to do these things they know how to run it they know how to market it they know how to do these kind of things if they can do that with the overwatch universe and they run with the bag as johnny said they have they are hiring tons and tons of people you have to assume that with this pve launch they're already talking about a tv show or a movie or something like that to to then pair with that because that's where the money is they're not making they're a, they're a billion dollar company they're not making money on the 10 dollar battle pass that they're buying off us they need the overwatch franchise to become a household thing where there is merch there is all these types of things and they are just doing that if they can pull that off that would be impressive but as you said the whole linchpin is that they need to go big or go home and i have to hope that's why it's been delayed until 2023 is that they recognize when this lands the pve needs to be fun and people need to buy in off the bat because people play it they don't enjoy it off the rip or they just like there's a bunch of bad reviews people will not play it and it will not gain that traction and it's hard to get people back in after that first impression and we're kind of working from a deficit already. Like the reputation yeah. again, even now still is like lol or watch two lol, 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 you know? So we need to kind of, we need that impact to like shut people up essentially and have, and I, I do think Overwatch 2's PVP has done a decent job of like, now people, I remember what Overwatch is again. Like I, I, you know, again, just talking to people in, in real world where grass is being touched before, like a year ago, people, you know, if I said, oh, I make content for Overwatch, people were like, what, what game? But now I see a lot more people being like, yeah, okay, I know Overwatch, yeah, I know Overwatch 2, yeah, 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 I know, I know that game, yeah, okay. So I think that impact has come, but now we need to go all the way. And there are, there are, there's a lot of more, like, content creators and big names who are still sticking with Overwatch 2, right? Which is testament to the appeal it has. But we just need to go all the way now. Um, am I, uh, moving on, it's just quick, quick word as well. Like, do you have guys have any sort of gut instinct on how they will, how that fits into a, a live service model? Like, how do you think they're going to monetize it? Uh, I'll go to Johnny first. Like, do you have any th instincts on like how do you think it's going to fit in with the seasonal release model? Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't really know. I could I could see it maybe. Um, you know, because I play retail WoW, I play a lot of classic WoW, and so what what you know people thought that they would do was be that they like interchange the timelines where like. You know, at some point they release classic content, then they release some retail content, and then classic content, and so like you get people like play back and forth and play both things. So maybe like you do something like that, where like currently now we have that every other battle pass, like a hero gets released and the map gets released, and like it's in that order, right? Like maybe it's some interchangeable PVE thing where like it tries to fit in between the different PVP uh, passes. Maybe they overwhelm you and they release a new like PVE mission and pass or whatever at the same time as a PVP pass. I really don't know. I, I have no idea. I don't know how they'll monetize it to begin with. So I don't have those questions for you. And um, I, I frankly don't have enough experience like playing other mission-like game like those. You know, maybe it's like Destiny or like something like that. I don't have enough experience in like how they monetize their game to tell you what's going to happen. Um, I really don't know. I have, really have no idea how they're going to monetize the PvE aspect of it. but. I think. Oh, go ahead, Custer, you go. I think the PVE will take a massive precedent over the PvP, and I think Destiny Two is a prime example. I think if they start having success with the PVE, they will stick to their roadmap. But I think everything will be prioritized towards the PVE if it is successful. And I think 
that is the direction that it's heading is like realistically I don't think Blizzard cares about the PvP anywhere near as much as the PvE. I think that they recognize that the game is close to tapped as much as it can, especially with the PvP release. But I think there's going to be a lot more focus on PvE, and I think the monetization model will show that. But like, it'll be really interesting to see how they recover from that because just like even looking at your chat SVB, like people are talking about like the monetization model of like, oh, pay to win in the PvE game. It's like. Probably will be, yeah. There'll probably be a way to pay to win in the PvE game because it's a PvE game and all of a sudden that opens up a lot of doors where you can allow pay to win. Um, so I think it'll be interesting and the biggest concern I have for it is that people are going to think of both products as the same thing when I think they're actually going to be very individualized and they're going to be very different teams running both of them. I mean, you, you'll probably be able to like, you know, if we have talent trees, you'll probably be able to like, buy some kind of progression into talent trees or you know if we're going to have you know maybe you can only access like some difficult levels a certain time amount per week or per day or whatever so you can buy like extra attempts or like something like that but yeah i don't know mm -hmm. it, there's the, the the point you said about pve uh, pvp skins earlier by the way where it's like if you change like the visuals and stuff like that that would be too much for new players to handle in pve you don't have to worry about that like, you can have the fucking most rainbow-ass looking skin in the game, and no one's going to suffer the consequences of that. You're just going to get to show off in PvE, right? So that's another direction as well, where you could, like, really... You could really push outside of these, I can imagine, incredibly frustrating boundaries for the visual artist, where they're like, oh, the head hitbox has to be the same size on exactly every single skin. Where it's like, no, like, why don't we give Reinhardt some, like, huge fucking head or something? And, you know, there's some ability to push outside of those boundaries, which leads to more cooler PvE visuals and stuff like that. So maybe monetize that in a way. Yeah, maybe PvE exclusive stuff. Who knows? I mean, Craig, I wouldn't like, be surprised, yeah. What do you vision it if you if you have any plans on it? Um, I think, I think uh, they should keep um, uh, the PvE and the PvP separate. Um, I think, like uh, Costa said earlier, that maybe there's going to be like an Arc 1, Arc 2, Arc 3, and like Arc 1 might cost like $60, and then you get um, a couple of new characters uh, unlocked and a whole new skill tree for those characters um, and, uh, and different visuals. And then like Arc 2 comes out, you pay $60 for that, and then new characters again with new skill trees and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of like resets your progress, but like Play like a whole new game almost or a whole new pve um and then yeah i mean if you can buy uh the skill tree you can level up the skill tree by buying but i don't really see a problem with that um since again you're you're playing again you're not playing against other players so it's not like you've just spent more money on the game that's where you're gonna win you know it's it's just yeah i definitely feel like there should be more uh pay to win doors opened in a pve game yeah, and I feel like, you know, you're speaking from, I think, a, a competitive mindset where you're like, keep them separate because uh, presumably you want you want the PvP to still be something that stands on its own legs, right? Like, doesn't get influenced by the PV PvE, you can still get to play. Is that is that kind of fair to say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I, I would say, though, thinking of how they've approached monetization so far, I would think their mindset might be the opposite. I, I don't know. But... The current, like, the live service business model is all about getting you hooked and getting, like, getting the claws into the player and then never letting them leave, right? And I think, like, what would the best way to do that would be, especially if you're, you're potentially alternating content, like Johnny said, like, maybe you're 
not because you're not always going to be able to release PVE and you're not always going to be able to release a new hero. Maybe they're going to find ways to like sync the battle pass so that like maybe your ten dollars in the battle pass get you access to something in the PVE. Or maybe maybe they try to be again. It, this depends on their approach. Like how do they want to approach it? Do they want to? create the system where like we just want every player to buy the battle pass basically and like almost like a $10 a month subscription like a Netflix service so that way we know we have like a stable player base and so maybe the battle pass is like you have to buy the battle pass to get the majority of the levels maybe you get some free levels but to, to the PvE this is but to get like access to it you have to pay the $10 and then maybe there's some additional stuff over the top right and in, in a way to kind of basically get the player to go well I paid $10 for the PvE, but like, because I want the PvE and I pay $10 for the Battle Pass, but I guess I could use that now that I've got it, I could use it to play some more PvP too, like maybe I'll grind for this Mythic skin, or vice versa, right? It's like maybe you're maybe you're like craggy and you primarily you care about the PvP experience, but hey, this $10 Battle Pass that I bought gives me access to some PvE levels, maybe I'll give them a shot, right? So I, I feel like the, the live service model is all about like encouraging players to spend more and more time, which some people are like, that's my dystopia. So I hate the sounds of everything you're saying. I want to just, I want to know the product and I, I don't want to spend any more time than I have to. But my gut instinct is that they're going to try and like do it in a way that keeps them harmonious. Because I do think that they, they themselves wouldn't want to kill the PVP over the PVE, right? Like they've... You know, they've had things in the past where games have kind of killed or infringed upon other games. StarCraft 1 versus 2, uh, a prominent example of just like, well, one ate the other. But that's my gut instinct. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, I think, I think they need, as much as I said they need to be separate, I think they need to feed off of each other a little bit. I just, when I say that I think they need to be separate is I don't think you need to, like, intertwine it like massively like in destiny 2 the pvp is kind of intertwined in it and it's kind of like the same game but i think they will remain like a separate product uh for the thing but they do need to feed off of each other as you said if you can have the battle pass that exists that both the pve and the pvp uh want to buy and then that as that leads into like oh maybe i will play a little bit of pvp even though i only play pv let's just go play a couple of games of quick play because we're bored and it'll help us progress in something that we want to do in pve or something so they need to they need to have that feedback loop and stuff like that but they for me as well they just need to keep running with it if they can end up creating like a destiny 2 style of thing in the overwatch universe I think it would pop off, but I'm pretty sure that is like well, well, well end game uh, for what Blizzard is trying to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, when it comes to that, I guess my biggest worry when I when I have these like lofty goals for PVE, I don't know how they'll pull that off in like this current engine. Like, how do you take this current engine, I guess, and just like sort of like go beyond by like making like you know, an inventory or like gear, gear slots and like stuff like that, that have to be like something you equip in like the main menu or something. I have no idea how they're like, they're going to pull it off. So we'll see. Regarding the monetization, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of like PVE and PVP bundles. So they'll try to like get you to do, to, to like extract value from you by thinking that you play both. So say like you're a big PVP player and like, here's a value bundle where you get some kind of like PVE thing with it as well. Or if you're a big PVE player, Here's a value bundle for you where you're buying something PvP related as well. And I think those bundles will be a big hit. Um, I'm actually quite surprised that there hasn't been some kind of like given how like 
prevalent subscriptions or in like day-to-day -day life and like real life. Like I go to Amazon and I buy like sparkling water and Amazon's like, save 5% by buying a subscription <laughs> yeah. to sparkling water. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs> but like, there's so many subscriptions in real life now and we're still stuck in this like login, do the like purchasing. Like there's no like, there's no like renewing stream of revenue for any of these games besides like World of Warcraft. And people were like, well, subscription model will be like the death of World of Warcraft. Well, turns out it isn't because people are What's way more here? fine with subscriptions now than they were like five years ago. So I'm a bit surprised in that regard that like Blizzard hasn't like tried to give the gamers like a good deal for like subscribing or being like loyal customers or something like that. So I don't know. That would that would just the, the fan base would explode if if Overwatch was like, do you watch subscription? <laughs> like, yeah, we'll, I, I we'll mean, take money from your credit card without asking you each month. <laughs> like, they, well, but, you um, joke about it, but like, think, think big pictures. Well, one thing we haven't even mentioned, and it is very pertinent for 2023, is the Microsoft acquisition because it's probably actually finally, if it does go through, which it does seem likely, uh, will will come to fruition in 2023. And that opens up possibilities as well, because already people pointing out like, you know, how you can get like coins through Microsoft and like Bing and stuff like you can get Bing rewards to get coins in the game. Maybe there's an, there's an, it's funny how you mentioned the World of Warcraft thing as well, because I feel like these like big companies and like their ethos kind of shift back and forth with time, right? Where it's like, you said, wow, to start with people like, oh, I have to pay a monthly subscription. That's so much money. I could just buy a new game in the four months I spent on WoW or whatever, right? And then we went to free to play and there's like microtransactions and now people are almost coming back where like big companies are all about subscription, right? It's all about get people into the door of the game pass. Like it's just, you just get them subscribed yeah. to the game pass and keep them there because that way you can, again, Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon, everyone, Apple TV, everyone wants you to subscribe to their subscription service because they know you're giving them money every month. Maybe it's not out of the question that they want Microsoft, like maybe Microsoft have had a word with them. Maybe they themselves want this anyways contribute somehow to the game pass where it's like okay well if you if you subscribe to the Overwatch subscription you get of uh, the battle pass every every season and you get access to some pve stuff i mean yeah i mean you, i, I uh, go ahead I, i've been subscribed to world of warcraft for like many years now and i throw money at you know away every month because i have like a month-to-month -month subscription which gives like you the worst deal it's just naturally more expensive versus like buying 12 months at a time but like that's like such a good monetization model for Blizzard, where it's like, hey, if you subscribe for 12 months to World of Warcraft, we'll give you a mount. <laughs> and some yeah. people look like, I need this fucking mount. I need to subscribe <laughs> for 12 months. I, I will pay over $100 for this to, to get this, like, uh, like $100 right now to get this mount right now. But Overwatch Wait. like doesn't have anything like that. So it's, it's just and a bit fascinating to me. The reason that is so lucrative as well is because you convince people that they want it anyway, right? You're like, oh, you'll get, you're gonna play for a year anyway, right? Like you're gonna keep playing. Wow. So yeah, yeah I'll play. It's a good deal for you. May, you. You think about that. You know, do this as well, customer. You think like, yeah, I'll probably play World of Warcraft for the next twelve months. Like I don't th see myself quitting within the next six months at least. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, like, but then, but then you do quit, and they got six months of your money, right? And like yeah, that's what they exactly. need to do. They need to like bait people into thinking that they're getting a good deal. By giving them Overwatch needs to be more predatory. Things. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> well, okay. Well, okay. Well, here's we as if as if we didn't get enough shill comments. As if we didn't get enough shill comments. You just straight up. 
<laughs> Straight up. I mean, I'm curious, Craggy, like, do you joking think like the Microsoft... Joking. Yeah, we've got to clarify. Joking, joking. We're not... This isn't like a defense of the model either when we say, oh, they're going to get your... They're going to get you in. Like, it's not us saying they're going to defend the model. It's just like speculating on what could work. It's not like we have any power to influence them. But Craggy, like, do you think like the Microsoft acquisition is going to play a factor at all of like what we're going to see in the coming year? Um... I think I think if we're gonna see a difference, it's gonna be uh, with the with the more with other corporations. Like we saw a little bit with uh, the Tracer skin and McDonald's, but it was only Australian McDonald's. I oh, believe. <laughs> yeah. Um, with like the worst yeah, like, Tracer skin. Like I've seen a lot of uh, you know I drink I drink a few Monster Energies here and there. I see uh, I recently saw Apex Legends on them. I feel like they need to, they might start doing more of that, um, expanding out to to stuff like that, but. But other than that, I, I don't, I, I don't think we're gonna see a, a big difference. That's fair. I mean, uh, I can see there's a there's a channel in my Discord by the way because I know you guys drop comments in 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 the chat, but I don't get to see them because it flies by. So there's a channel in my Discord specifically for group up questions, and an interesting one that, that someone's already put in, which is like, do you think there's a danger that the PVE will cannibalize the PVP, like low queue times or you know high queue times, like low player population? And just people losing interest, maybe? Like, do you think there's a danger of that? I'll, I'll go to Craggy again, because I feel like we haven't heard from you too much recently. Uh, I think... I think there's a... I think there's a difference between PvE and PvP players. Um, it might it might make the queue time slower, and they might have to do a little bit of uh, adjustment on uh, on how they do matchmaking, so so queues won't be too, bi uh, too big of a problem. Uh, but I think, I think the majority of the people who's going to be playing PvE uh for a long period of time aren't the same type of people that play pvp for a long period of time it's fair uh johnny i think there's a danger um, of cannibalizing? yeah I, I i i kind of agree with that and i also think that it's a bit of like and even though like sure if you're a fan of overwatch and i think there's a lot of us who are just like fans of overwatch in general um you know we go and play the junkenstein missions or whatever you know and so I think there'll be some FOMO from the player base and understanding from the player base if that happens, that like when PvE was released, yeah, the quality of like the queues, uh, you know, there were longer queues and like the quality of play, it'll probably be worse in PvP. But I don't think, I don't think that that PvP player will like go out of their way to complain at Blizzard because so many people are playing the PvE game mode that week when it's released, for example. Because I think that player would just be like, well, of course, like all the players that want to play PvE, and like maybe they'll even be like, well, everyone's PvE, playing PvE, so I must go the PvE now as well. Because like I'm missing out on them doing that. So I don't really think that like, yeah, there might be some like consequences because of that when like missions and stuff are released, but I don't I don't think that's something Blizzard will be like blamed for and I don't I don't think it's something they they should be blamed for. I think that's just kind of like how kind of like how it goes, but I don't think that like PVP will die by enemies. So mm -hmm. I think it's yeah. I think it'll be fine. Costa? Yeah, I I I think it'll cannibalize it, but it'll also be additive if that makes sense. So some of it will take from it, but if PvE is successful, it will bring more people to the PvP and like eh, vice versa. Like, I think, as I said, this upcoming Overwatch 2 stuff, we already know what we've got for PvP. This is what we got. If you're expecting anything with the Overwatch 2 full release of the PvE to change anything for the PvP, you're out of your mind, right? Like they are completely different things. So 
the best hope that you can have is that the PvE is successful and then that draws more attention to the PvP, which then gives PvP more success and then that helps the game overall. Um, so hopefully it doesn't affect it too bad because you know, you've seen other games, they have successful PvE and what that does is, is like people realize how unfun the PvP is uh, <laughs> in, in, in that right and then people like don't want to play it. So that could be an issue, but... As I've said earlier, I think the overall longevity of Overwatch is very dependent on how successful PBE is. I, I think as well, they probably look at a, a company like Riot, when I think League of Legends as well, where it's like they have League of Legends, they have like various modes in it, they have TFT, and they're all meant to like flow into each other, right? They're all meant to be like, well, I'm... I, and again, because I think the Overwatch universe is probably one of the best uh, franchises in, in sort of gaming. Like it's one of the most interesting... I think it's more interesting than League of Legends. Like, like obviously I'm biased, but I think it's more interesting than League of Legends world. So it would make sense to be like, I'm invested now. Like, I really like my Tracer card game character, and I want that to to contribute to how I, you know, play Overwatch in real, like the actual game. And then the PVEs, she's my favorite. I love her story or whatever. So I think again, it's all about that, like big picture. Let's get you in involved in the franchise so that you kind of feel a loyalty to the franchise. Um, yeah. Yeah, which brings me to the concluding sections because I know you guys have given me a lot of your time and I'm very appreciative of it. So let's just go through some quick fire questions now um, and we'll just run through. So we'll start with, I'm, I'm going to head this to Craggy because we haven't really talked about this for a while, but do you want to see any competitive changes considering that we've seen the 5K SR cap be gone? Is there anything else you want to see change? The rank system DK, you know, an e the ELO system, like should MMR be public? Any changes? Uh, yeah, so I, I, I feel like your your rank needs to adjust visually every time you, you win and lose a game in, in high rank because um, high rank players reaches GM1 very quickly and right after then it, it, it feels like progress completely stops. Uh, every time I'm done with my with my placement again, it just shows top 500, and that's like over and over and over again. So there's no like sense of reward. It would be nice if maybe it showed like if like your rank would like adjust a lot like uh, in top 500 after your seven placements, um, and it would show the new rank that you got. So maybe like top 23 or something like that. But it's just constantly top 500. Um, more aggressive balance changes. So I see so. The meta changes. Uh, I can finally play new characters um, because, 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 like we talked about earlier, uh, high rank players most of the time is just going to play what is the most optimal thing, um, and that character in DPS has been Sojourn ever since Overwatch Two came out. So it would be like it would be nice to to play new characters and also to play again against different characters. We've seen quite a, a big change in the tank role, but I feel like uh, which brings me to another point. I feel like. Uh, tank is very oppressive uh even when i play tank myself um i feel like it's it's the it's the star of the show and i don't have a problem that something is the star of the show but it becomes a problem if it's the star of the show for months and months on end um so so that's also why i think uh, i think they need to um do balance changes to change up the meta uh and blizzard needs to force metas um by doing that so um and also another thing i i want i want the game to feel more interactive and less just 
oh, I, I picked this person, now I'm dead immediately. And there's like nothing I can do, right? Like if I play like a certain character, if I play against Roadhog, I get one shot. If I play against a Sojourn and I'm not playing Sojourn myself, I just get one shot, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Agree Custom? with all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree with all that. that. Okay. I, for, for the rank system, I think they need to go to an Apex model of once you get to GM1 and then you break GM1, uh there should be something above that they call it apex predator in in apex for anyone that isn't aware i don't know if they still do this i haven't watched it in recently in the last like year but then you are essentially that rank and then you have just a number you have a flat number of like this is what your sr is this is what we consider your number to be and then you can infinitely raise that and then i think they have a top like 500s thing on top of that number where if you are then the top 500 of those like exclusive things you still have that sr number that's going up and down but you have a number that is essentially just like top 500 of Overwatch. They do that and infinitely, I think it should infinitely scale because, uh, you know, it's not really going to change the way the matchmaker is affecting you anyway. If you're a great player, you're going to, like you're the rank one player, you're going to get shipped teammates on your team anyway. Uh, and then it infinitely scales. And what that does, it actually creates a never ending cycle that incentivizes the top end people who are going for rank one, like Craggy, right? All of a sudden, he can be the first guy to ever break 6K SR. Right in a season, it infinitely scales. I try really hard. I do it. I push. We push as hard as we could, and then we were the first ever people to break six KSR. That's an achievement. That's something to play for, even once you are rank one, and that avoids the situation that we're having with ranked right now, where it's like people get to rank one at like you know whatever rank they think they are, and then they just camp it because there's no reason to play again. Right. So then they just do it with a different account and stuff like that. Do you think Anything... the? Sorry. Sorry no, no. Do you think the unlimited scaling kind of uh, promotes uh, the people who play the game the most? They get the highest ranked. Well, no, it, like, it'll be exactly like it usually is, where you're going to lose a lot for losing, right? Like because the way it, no one got to five thousand before, because like you obviously got less for a win and you were punished yeah. more for a loss, right? So, but, but why is that a problem if you're just going to keep going up and up and up and up and up? Because it lets top 1% players have like a 60% win rate, probably, usually, like the, if you're a rank one. So uh, I, th I think the issue, that there's going to be an issue with that. So, so the reason for why it works in Apex Legends is because Apex Legends, in my opinion, matchmaking sucks a lot. When you get, get high rank, once you hit diamond, then you go against rank 1, 2, and 3, 3 stacking. And there's no way you as a solo queue who gets two other solo queues on your team is going to beat that stack. So it 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 brings up another problem with like how do you how do you play someone who's like 8k SR right? Are they ever going to go against like a regular 4k SR player, uh, or, or or what? Like because because uh, matchmaking on high rank is way more fair than Apex Legends. Of course, it's a completely different game, right? You need hundred people in Apex Legends, but. But a lot of Apex Legends lobbies are just stomped by the by the Predator stacks. Uh, but but I do agree that there should be some incentive to like constantly keep playing on one account, preferably. Because um, yeah, like like you said, like most of the time you have a pl a person that has high MMR from last season, does plays like sixty games and is rank one, and he just chills there, for, like the majority of the season. So yeah, there there definitely should be some kind of incentive to like constantly keep playing and like constantly reach for higher. Um, yeah, they just need a better matchmaking for that. I mean, we, go on. I, I just want to say, but like, I, I definitely haven't like that idea isn't fleshed out to the thing for the reasons that you said. But like right now, 
it's really fucking bad. Like, I'm not even, yeah. like, pushing for rank one and having the issues where it's, like, my border from Overwatch 1 is what is influencing whether or not I'm rank one or not. But, like, I'm, like, you know, 200, 300, and I finished my seven wins, and it's like, congratulations, you're still top 500. And then my number yeah. just doesn't do anything. And I'm like, so yeah. I'm not seeing my number go up and down. And the other thing that needs to happen, please, for the love of God, let you know, even if it's a toggleable thing, let us show our rank in the bottom left portrait so that people can tell you're playing ranked, can see what rank you are. You can see it incentivizes you to play because you can see your little rank down there. And then if yeah. you don't want to see it, toggle it off. Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if this whole like win seven, win seven matches thing or like lose 20 games thing. I don't know if it was a net positive for treating. Um, what, what's it called when like people are scared of playing ranked because scared of losing? A comp anxiety. I don't. I don't know. At the end of the day, I don't have the data. I don't have the access to know whether this new system was like good for uh, the amount of people who participate in playing ranked because they're less scared um, of you know having their number being altered like that. But you know, from our position as like high end competitive top one percent people, I'm I'm kind of surprised we didn't really talk about the ranked like this episode. I guess you do every fucking episode. But like it's like really bad. It's it's so demotivating. Um, people aren't incentivized to like grind the game. They aren't incentivized to like compete with other people on the top five hundred leaderboard. Um, I I think I I just don't like it. I I think we should just revert back to the old system. Um, unless unless it was so massively beneficial for comp anxiety and like helping people participate in, in ranked then yeah sure like i'll buy it you, you know i'll buy it you know okay the system worked out for you guys and it's you know a little bit punishing for us one percent we can work on solutions like you know let's at least make the one percent have like something to work out let's leave the seven wins thing but like right now it's it's a mess and i think um it heavily disincentivizes streamers it disincentivizes professional people to repeatedly play the game and they'll just go go compete in other games um because it's not fun right now in ranked. And I, I, I'm sorry. I hate to be this negative, but like, I, I don't see a lot of like positives with it personally. No, and I agree. The only reason I, I didn't bring it up in a specific section is because we've just been ranting about it. It feels like every week, um, since since Overwatch Two launch, where it just feels like the matchmaking is just really bad. And and I, you know, for fear of being accused of only talking about like the top one percent and streamers and stuff, I feel like the sentiment. It's really hard to say what the community feels only like blizzard will know better than us but like it feels like i hear the sentiment all the time from my community as well where they're always like yeah it's bad in diamond too as if it's bad in plat as well it's bad you know like there's i think i think just the it's it's only seeming to get more scuffed because of this whole like diamond challenger master challenger thing like which i which i think is a good idea like it's a good idea to have titles specifically tied to rank but now I just get people coming in, they're like, SCB, I'm gold, and I keep getting put in lobbies with, like, diamond challengers or whatever, right? Like, what's going on? And, of course, you would say, well, they might have reached diamond in a different role. But it's still, I think, this very odd feeling for someone where the game tells you that you're being matched off your MMR. You don't know what that MMR is. Your icon is still showing you a different thing. Like, your icon is a lie, essentially. Whatever it shows you is a lie, potentially. It could be honest, but it could be a lie, which, who knows? Like, it, 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 net positive is that it's a lie. You're getting put in lobbies that could be way higher than what you're supposed to be, could be way lower than where you currently are. You don't really know. You're just forced to sit there and be like, oh, they've got a diamond challenger, but my team is all gold or whatever, right? 
And that whole mystery of it, I think, is just very frustrating for players. Not to mention, I felt this too, where it's like, you're you're getting put in, let's say, a lobby that's a thousand SR higher than where you currently are, but you're going 50-50, and so you're, you're losing a lot of games, and so your rank placements are very infrequent, and you're not catching up to, let's say, where you should be, quote-unquote, according to the MMR, fast enough, because you've already been dropped from the previous season, right? Like, you were dropped at the end of last season, dropped down quite a lot. You need many, many wins to get back. You don't have the time to play that many games. A lot of players who are in the metal ranks, they don't have the time to play that many games to catch up. So I do think there's a lot of frustrations about it. I'm just kind of tired of ranting about it at this point. Like, I I don't yeah. know. Like, and I, I, have a, I, I have a lot of respect for the people who, who worked on the rank system, and I give them a lot of the benefit of the doubt. I hate to be this negative about it because I feel like I'm not in a position where I actually have like the knowledge to make these decisions. Of course, I don't. I don't consider myself an expert on making appealing matchmaking system. So I acknowledge like all these. Upfront about that, that I'm, I'm, I that like I'm, I, I, I can't. You couldn't ask me to design like a way better matchmaking system. To me, from my position of not having this knowledge, I was personally more comfortable in a more straightforward drag system where you can see everyone's values, you gain SR if you win, you lose SR if you lose, and it's straightforward. Whereas now you're in this position where they hide things and you have to like give the game the benefit of the doubt, but then also like the game throws you off with visuals where it's like, you know, whether it's like you're getting a gold or versus grandmaster or like something like these, that like visual representations that aren't like actually true because there's a hidden SR. Like the system is so complicated in its current form that it makes it me difficult for me as a player to give the system like the benefit of the doubt and trust in the actual system that is in place, which makes me less happy and incentivized to participate in the ranked experience. I don't know. That's about as formally and like sophisticated I can give my answer. But I'm trying to be really like kind and not just like, oh, this is trash. This is fucking horrible. I don't fucking understand this. Like I'm trying to genuinely be so like present myself as someone who doesn't have the greatest idea, but I'm trying to be fair and have a lot of respect and benefit of that to the developers. Craggy, do you feel like there's a, 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 a... I know you mentioned that at least at Top 100 they should see their number change, but like, do you just think old system was better? Like some other solution is better? Yeah, so... so um, I agree with Reinforce on that. We don't, we don't have the data on the majority of people. Um, but I think... I definitely think that if you ask any top 500 player i think majority of them would want like a something to progress past gm1 um so i kind of like the idea that that costa brought up where as like in in apex legends like once you reach this rank then like this whole new thing starts with like uh top 500 and like you just go like as far as possible um like they could they could keep what they have right now and then uh, once you reach GM1, if you can go slightly above GM1, then you start having these num visualized numbers that people can start competing above uh, about in the top. 
um so they don't really change anything for the majority of people because because yeah like we yeah. said yeah. we don't really have the the numbers on on comp anxiety whether or not this has helped them out or not yeah only blizzard really has that yeah because like i think you can just like this is literally an issue for the top one percent this isn't something that needs to affect the entire game like they can build a system at the top end that would be good and this isn't just being like oh they should care about us this is important for the game's health overall especially viewership of i think if that existed in the game right now in overwatch ranked twitch viewers would go up like people would be seeing the game people would be following along like you see that for so many other games is there is incentive for fans to watch these top end streamers there's like there's a lot more content being made about it it just makes it way more interesting and i think there is you know theoretical benefits of implementing a system like this in terms of just like marketing making it competitive and all that kind of stuff so i hope they do like i think the top 500 is a great idea and i think it worked well in overwatch one i just think that they they baked in this new rank system without thinking about how it would affect top 500 mm -hmm. yeah again hard to comment on the the vast end without the data uh, okay. okay, this is meant to be quick fire, but we, we stumbled onto a, an important topic. So yeah, I think it was important. It. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. no, it was. It was. I think rapid. it was It was important to dwell on it um, and, and kind of get our thoughts on it. Uh, a word on toxicity. Do you feel like it's been better or worse in Overwatch 2? Is there anything more that can be done? Like, obviously, this is another very anecdotal situation. Yeah. You can't, you can't fix the internet. Like, it's just the, like, people people who say, like, Overwatch is the most toxic video game out there, like, go play other video games. Like, there is, like, it just exists. There is toxicity everywhere. I think Overwatch is trying its best to combat it, I, but I think it's always going to exist as long as it's the internet. It's, it's just, there's always going to be some bad actors in the community. There's always just going to be shitty people ruining everyone's things. I think it's impossible to expect Blizzard to just, like, fix it all. There's always going to be toxicity because there's just shitty people in the world. I mean that's fair. Is there is uh, do you guys feel equally the same, Craggy and Reinforce? Yeah, I uh, I agree with him on that. I mean, most of the people that I play with and against are the same people from Overwatch One and people that have been in the community for a long time. So you kind of like, like yeah, I I don't really have a good opinion on that because I have a very narrowed uh, mindset on it or like anecdotal evidence on it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's the same because it's the same players I play with and against. Yeah, I I feel like a bully because I'm like, oh, it's fine. There's not a lot of toxicity. And then Mercy mains are like, for God's sake, please stop complaining about the hero <laughs> I play all the time. Whereas like, yeah, I mean, look, there, you know, I, I from my position, I don't experience a lot of toxicity. You know, I, I, I play this fucking FFA game mode and I have people saying like, oh, hey, it's reinforced, you know, and that's a nice feeling for me. But... I think it's a more relevant question to ask um, people of like marginalized genders who, you know, don't dare speaking up in voice chat and have to deal with a lot more harassment than I have to do in my current position. So I, I, I think those are the people who should appropriately answer that question, whether toxicity is better in Overwatch 2 or Overwatch 1, because the truth is that I, I genuinely don't have to deal with that. But I still acknowledge that is a big pro problem for a lot of players who try to enjoy the game. 100%, 100%. I think I think anecdotally as well, the big, the more popular a game gets, I feel like the more scummery sometimes appears out of the woodworks because I think like your casual FPS player hopping in and out between games tends to be a little bit of a bitch. So like, uh, again, anecdotally, like YouTube comments and TikTok comments are, are horrible. Like YouTube comments have gotten worse. TikTok is already like a, an awful platform. 
I feel like I feel like most of the social medias of Overwatch have gotten a bit worse. But it's again, it's hard to like measure. I, again, Blizzard will have like their these are the number of people who are being reported and punished, et cetera, et cetera. These kind of numbers we don't we don't know. But again, I think uh, this is another area where people's experience is is key and and what people from different backgrounds are experiencing. Um, okay, final quick fire question: PVP with skill trees. Custom, I'm going to direct this to you because you actually mentioned something about Ooh, this. <laughs> Spicy. Hell no! I think fun arcade mode that they could add when PVE is out with skill trees, that kind of stuff. But sounds fun in theory and then you play it and you're like hey maybe that reinhardt that when he shattered also shot 19 fireballs out of his ass and then like one shot everyone around him it's not as fun in when you actually get to play it but you know like there are great workshop modes that exist like that where like characters become overpowered and they run around like someone will enjoy it it'll be a fun arcade mode it should never be a serious thing they try and implement in my opinion that's fair and that that reminds me hopefully we'll work with the workshop back soon because i think that did add uh, a lot to the Overwatch community overall. Okay, I I'm just going to get your final concluding thoughts, guys. I got a lot of your time, so thank you so much for it. Uh, your one major thing that you want to see for Blizzard and Overwatch in 2023, I'll go with Reinforce first. What's like signing off your biggest Ooh. hope for 2023? Like, what are you like, give, give me this and I'll be happy. Ooh. Ooh, I could go a lot of different directions in this. Uh, so, just, just, a bit on the last questions about the talent trees, and I was quick fire. But I was surprised that you weren't going to ask about the hero ban system in ranked. That's a quick fire question. That's a that's a whole. I'm actually going to get a whole separate debate for that because I know the hero ban. Uh, yeah, like, I was going to ask you. Like, you There's going to be yeah. a whole separate podcast on that. Don't worry. Yeah, because uh, you know, just background here. Me and Custa, whenever we've been on pack chat together and brought it up, we've been like, hell no. <laughs> But I'm I'm secretly like starting to you know open Same my incognito words. browser. I'm opening Let's my go. incognito browser oh, and I type you, in. Case, in case like, Jeff Goodman's tracking your data and like ooh. <laughs> no, I just don't want it to be on like my record, my browser history. I don't want yeah. it to be like oh, Johnny looks up hero ban debates and like whether you know <laughs> pros and con arguments. It's like I don't, I don't, I'm I'm a bit ashamed of it currently, but uh. It's I'm starting to uh, I'm I'm starting to Come at least to consider it. Yeah, I'm, I don't I don't know I don't. I, so maybe I'm, yeah. I'm shifting my mindset a little bit there. Uh, I, I yeah that that'll be interesting though. Um, so uh, you know one big thing for 2023, I could just come out the gates and just be like, add a hero band system, but I'm not going to do that because I don't truly know whether I believe it'll be good or bad for the game yet. Um. We've already talked enough about the PvE thing, so you know that is obviously going to be the one thing that I'm looking forward to the most, the, the PvE system. I think it'll probably be released actually late. They've never said like a quarter. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it launches around like BlizzCon, which they have announced is yeah. confirmed in person this year. Diablo 4 is released in June. I doubt that Blizzard would just be like, oh, let's release Overwatch PvE right whereas we released Diablo 4. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. So I think we're in for a long year of multiplayer, of battle passes and ranked uh, until, like, the fourth quarter of this year. And I think we're in for one hell of a fucking bang come BlizzCon with, like, big announcements and a big return to BlizzCon, you know, whether we're in an arena or something, and the crowd will be like, holy shit. Um, so, yeah, I'll go, I'll go PvE. I'll go as a big thing that 
you know, Costa, he's going to sigh and, you know, roll his eyes again. I think I, I'm betting on a Netflix show this year. I'm betting this on the announcement. announcement. Un, no, announcement of a Netflix oh, show okay. this year. That's where I'm going. So PVE, I, because I think, I think that, that summarizes my hope for PVE in that they like take PVE and build upon it. So I think in conjunction with P, PVE being released and an emphasis on cinematics and storytelling, I think they'll announce a Netflix show. I love the optimism. The the hopium tanker just keeps filling up deeper and deeper for for Johnny over there. Custa, go Dude. ahead. I feel like you want to respond anyway. Live action, like Soldier Seventy Six. No, not live action. No, 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 Based off chess is a real game. What? How is that the live action version of chess? No, chess no, no, is real. I, no, hold on, hold on. Okay, the Queen's Gambit, the main character, right? Yeah. What, what, yes. What's her call? Like, Anya, Anya, Anya Taylor, Taylor Joy. Joy. Yeah, she she's Tracer. You got Harrison Ford, a soldier <laughs> no. seventy six. Who, who's no. Winston? Who's Harrison Ford Winston, is like a hundred. The guy can't get out of bed for an Indiana Jones movie. He's not gonna come out running. His soldier's biggest thing is that he sprints. I don't think Harrison no, Ford no, can move around no, without a wheelchair no, anymore. They made that movie called Cats. You know, where like they they made oh, like you. You're asking for Overwatch Cats. You telling me you want to see James? James Corden, fuck a lamppost or something. What are you, oh, dude? There's no way you okay. want to watch. I'm cats. gonna go before Johnny says words anymore. Um, I agree that I think I think that's a good shout from Johnny that BlizzCon 2023 announces a Netflix show of Overwatch, and I think that would play into the excitement that is coming for the PV Overwatch, which should at that point, if we're assuming it's coming out, Overwatch 2 is coming out late 2023 then I would that would make sense of like they have already teased a lot of the PvE. For me, the only thing that I want is that when Overwatch 2 fully releases, they deliver on the promises that they did in 2019 BlizzCon when they last did it, when they showed that cinematic and they hyped everyone up and they got everyone excited. Like we've been chasing that that dream for the last four years. So that's where I hope we can get back to that and Overwatch can get back to what it should be. Some sanity. Like, this is such a wild ride because Johnny's like giving reasonable suggestions and then he just goes into the fucking twilight. He fucking went off the grid. For two minutes, and then we go back to sanity. <laughs> we go back to sanity. Craggy, uh, which side are you going to pick? Chaotic evil or, or lawful good? What do you want to see for uh, your big thing for 2023? Uh, the big thing that I want to see is, is them include the community more um, like they did with the, or with the stream of them making the map. Um... I feel like the f whenever they're going to rework characters, uh, they they are planning on doing some reworks to to Roadhog, I assume at mm -hmm. least. Yeah. Um, I feel like they need to uh, bring up maybe like three or five different characters, and they have the community vote on which character that they want to get see uh, get reworked. Um, and uh, and of course, having Workshop come out as soon as possible, so the community can start uh, making some some new game modes. Um, I think I think there's some hidden gems in the community, but but they have to shift through a, a lot of shit in order to find those hidden hidden uh, gems. But um, but I th I, th I think if they want to go through the the effort to find those, I think I think it'll help help the game out a lot. Yeah, I'd like to see potentially creator patch as well, maybe a craggy 
DPS balance patch. I would like Ooh, to see that. that. That will be good. That will be very <laughs> good. I would have said very reinforced fair. balance patch, but now I, I question everything. I question inviting him on the podcast after Overwatch Cats was suggested as a as a potential solution for the future. Bro, bro, I for that for that Easter egg April first patch or whatever. I was the I was the main guy behind Reaper can fly. I'm just telling you. I made a difference. You're the worst. Yeah, you're just making this worse, dude. Everything you're saying is just making <laughs> yeah. this worse. Well, regardless, I think I think my big hope. I mean, obviously, we want we all want the PV to go out with a bang. So fuck it, hero bands. Let's go. 2023 hero bands. Yeah, come in. The year of the hero bands. Let's go. Make make or what saying. At least let us ban sojourn. Fuck out of here when the balance is bad. <laughs> okay. Well, very much. Thank you so much, guys. I, I'm very, very appreciative of your time. It has been a blast talking to you, uh, and I hope we'll connect again. Chat, and those of you listening on YouTube and, and Spotify services and stuff like that, please go check these guys out. Their, their links will be in the description, so please go show them some love. Give them subs and money and body parts that they need for surgery, whatever they might need. Give it to them. Um, and yes, I hope I'll catch you guys very, very soon. Thank you very much, guys. Signing off. Peace out. That was fun. Hey, yeah. Bye.